الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى today we're gonna do our last book in the دورة العلمية أم الدورة التأصيلية that we we had Inshallah ta'ala, the book that we're going to be doing today is called Ad-Durarul Fil-Masail Al-Fiqiyya. The kitab is written by a great scholar, Muhammad ibn Ali al-Shawkari, rahimahullah. After, ask, after I was asked excessively from different brothers and also received different emails, I made the decision, inshallah ta'ala, to do Kitab al-Tahara today and tomorrow Kitab al-Salah. So everyone gets what they want, inshallah ta'ala. The Kitab, inshallah, is, the kitab is called Ad-Durarul Bahiyyah. The book is called Ad-Durarul Bahiyyah. And the name Ad-Durar is Jam'u Durrah. The word Durar is plural. And it's a broken plural. And the singular is Durrah. And the word durrah, هي اللؤلؤ العظيمة الباهرة. It is a jewel. And al-bahiyya means al-hasana al-jamila. So a beautiful jewel. The author named it. And this is to make the person appreciate knowledge. And the scholars, as you can see, this is what they saw knowledge of the religion like a jewel a pearl that's how they looked at it a beautiful pearl the author of this book is um, Abu, Abdir, Abu, Abu Abdillahi Muhammad ibn Ali al-Shawkani rahimahullah thumma sana'ani min ulama'i al-Yaman Imam al-Shawkani from the scholars of Yemen and he was born the year 1000 172 Hijriya and he died 1250 Hijriya and he's considered to be from the Fuqaha al-Muhadithin he's from the people combined between the knowledge of Hadith and also the knowledge of Fiqh he has many books and Imam al-Shawkani has many books from his books is this book that we have with us which is called Ad-Durar al-Bahiyyah which he himself explained the book. He called it Ad-Darari Al-Mudiyyah. He explained his own book. And also, it was explained by the great Imam from India, Sadiq Hassan Khan as well. Sadiq Hassan Khan explained it in a kitab which he called it Ar-Rawd Al-Nadiyah Fi Sharhi Durar Al-Bahiyyah, something like that. And the beauty of that kitab, uh, the road of Sadiq Hassan Khan, Sheikh Al-Albani rahimahullah taught it whilst in Sham. And what Sheikh Al-Albani did was he graded and he authenticated the ahadiths in there. So it turned out to be two volumes. So you can find the book itself with the sharah of Sadiq Hassan Khan, Durr al-Bahiyyah. The Sharah of Sadiq Hassan Khan, and also 
the Takhrijul Hadith of Sheikh Al-Bari Rahimahullah. So this gives the book great value. One of his books that he also wrote is um, Naylul Awtar. Shawkani wrote a kitab called Naylul Awtar. And this kitab, Naylul Awtar, is a sharh of a kitab called Muntakal Akhbar. And this kitab, Muntakal Akhbar, is a kitab written by Jaddu Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymi. Ibn Taymi's granddad, Abdul Salam. Ibn Taymi's name is what? Ahmed ibn Abdul Halim ibn Abdul Salam. Abdul Salam, he wrote a book called Muntakal Akhbar. Muntakal Akhbar is a book in Ahadith al Ahkam. It's like Bulugh al Maram. Okay, it's bigger than Bulugh al Maram. But it's like it. It's Ahadith al Ahkam. So Shokani came and he explained it. It's rather one of the best explanations. In there, he, you can see the fiqh of this man and his knowledge of fiqh and his knowledge of hadith. Siddiq Hassan al-Shawkani rahimahullah. So many scholars, they quote from that book, the Nail al-Awtar by Shawkani. Inshallah ta'ala, this book is big. Um, to explain it all in details, there's many things in there. That can be taken out and misail fiqiyah. But because it's Dora ilmiya, we don't have much time to go through deep, 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 deep fiqhi issues. But what we will do, inshallah ta'ala, is we will touch on uh, a lot of issues here and there. So if there's an issue that I haven't given it justice, it's because of the time. We can't go through all of these issues in great details. Now. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كتاب الطهارة باب المياه الماء طاهر مطهر ولا ولا يخرجه عن الوصين إلا ما غير ريحه أو لونه أو طعمه من النجاسات دوث رحمه الله he started his kitab with kitab al-tahara what does tahara mean لغة what does the tahara mean in the Arabic language it means النزاهة والنظافة من الأدناس والأوساخي the word at-tahara, it means an-nazaha, wa-nadhafa. It is to purify from yourself. It is to clean from yourself any impurities. That's what it means in the language. It means an-nadhafa, to clean from yourself. Or an-nazaha, to protect from yourself any impurities. That's what it means in the Arabic language. The Istilah usage, the technical usage of the word tahara is Raf'ul hadathi It is to remove hadath We'll mention what hadath is Okay Raf'ul hadathi To remove hadath And al-hadath It is It is to purify yourself. Hadith is what either necessitates wudu or it necessitates showering. That's what hadith is. So tahara is what? Raf'ul hadathi wa zawali al-khabathi. And it's also to remove khabath. 
So the second thing is tahara, zawalul khabath. What does khabath mean? Khabath means cleaning either from your body or your clothing or from a place and impurity that can be seen. Any impurity that goes on your body or on your clothing or on the place that you want to pray, it's called a what? Khabath. Khabath. Dahara means to remove that as well. Like in hadath, there's nothing you can touch. It's a person who had sexual intercourse. Even if he showered 20 times, if he hasn't come with the intention of removing this impurity from himself, in the sharia, he still has hadath. Are we all together? Like in the khabath, you don't even need intention for it. Are we all together, brothers? If urine goes on your clothes, you don't have to come in t with intention to remove this impurity. If you just pour water over it and it cleans it, it's enough. Or urine goes onto the place you want to pray on and you wash it. Or your body, urine goes on it and you wash it. It doesn't require intention. Okay? That's the difference. Like in hadith, it's not about cleansiness. It's not about clean. It's something which is غير محسوس. It's something un you can't touch. Are we all together, brothers? I'll give you an example. A person passes wind. A person passes wind. Or even urinates. And he goes to the toilet and he washes himself from his private part. He washes his genital. He washes his private part. And then he goes into the bath and he showers. And he comes out. Is he clean in the sharia? Yeah? yeah? He's clean. He's clean to the people. Like in, in the Sharia, there's still hadith on him. Because he needs to do what? For the Salah. Al Wudu. This man did something bigger than Wudu. What did he do? He showered, I said. He's fully clean. Hadith. Wudu is needed. It's about how clean you are and how much you wash yourself. Are we all together? Like in Najasa, is when there's impurity on you. If you wash that impurity off, then fine. Are we all together? So tahara is those two. Also tahara is that which is in its meaning. Why do we say The third thing it can also be is let's say a person has wudu. This is a qadiyah that many people get hidden from. Someone has wudu and he wants to do another wudu. Can he say I'm doing tahara? He's got wudu. He can just pray if he wants to. But he wants to renew his wudu again. He wants to do another wudu. He likes to do wudu for every salah. Is this called a tahara? It's called a tahara. Sharia, he's doing what? A tahara. Are we all together, brothers? So even that though he's not stopped from praying, he wants to just do wudu. Tajdeedul wudu. Fish sharia is still called tahara. Still called what? Tahara. Here, brothers, the author started the book by saying Kitab al-Tahara. The word Kitab comes from the root, from the root word Kataba, Yaktubu, Kitabatan, wa Kitaban. And this word Kitab, it means al-jam'u wa dhammu, when things come together. 
ولذلك in the battlefield they call it كتيبة الجيش جماعة الجيش a group of people كتيبة means كتاب all of those and that's why the, the reason why it's called a Katiba is because it's a majmu'atu min afradi al-jaysh. It's a number of... So why is it called Kitabu tahara We know what tahara means, Kitab. Kitab, under it, there is a number of babs. And under the babs, there are fusul. And under the fusul, there are masail. And that's how you write a book. You write a Kitab. And under the Kitab, there are bab, 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 bab. Which Kitabu tahara what bab is it that he's going to start with? Babul Mia, water. Are we all together? Now we've understood that. The tahara is two types. The tahara is also two types. When we look at it, where it comes from, I mean, where it happens, the tahara, we're looking at it from the place it happens from. It's two types. The first one is taharatul badan, the purity of the heart, body, body. Taharatul badan, the purity of the body. And that's the one that we're talking about here, where we're saying raf'ul hadathi wa izalati najasa. It's to remove the hadath and the najasa from ourselves. This is taharatul badan, it's the physical purity. There's a second one which is taharatu al batina. Tahara which is batina. Ina tahara. And this is tahara to mina shirki. It is a purification from shirk. Walghilli wal baghdai wal hasad. Having enmity in your heart to the believers. Associating partners with Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And that's the one Allah tabarak wa ta'ala said in the Quran. Inna mal mushrikuna. Najas. The first najas that the disbelievers have is shirk. Are we all together? And some of the scholars, they said that in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where he said, Inna al la yanjus, That the believer, he doesn't become impure. The Prophet means, The believer doesn't lose that. We all together. Inna al-mu'mina la yanjus. Rawahu al-Bukhari wa Muslim. Bukhari and Muslim both narrated that. Now when we look at Tahara bi'atibari naw'iha When we look at it When we look at tahara In terms of its types Okay It's two types Major and minor Major And Minor The major one As you can see brothers Is the tahara Which is called Tahara tul-kubra A major tahara And a minor tahara Which is called Tahara tul-sughra The tahara which is Kubra is what brings about ghusl. You have to shower. That's the major impurity. It brings about ghusl. And the tahara to sughra, it brings about what? Al wudu. These two that I just mentioned, which is tahara to kubra and tahara to sughra, applies on raf'ul hadath, when you're removing the hadath. Are we all together? The removing of the hadath is these two, two, type, these two types. Al-Kubra and Al-Sughra. Lakin, izalatul najas, ama izalatul khabath, is three types. To remove filth, it's three types. 
Okay? It is غسلين to wash. Sometimes you're going to need to wash the place that the impurity went onto. So, and the second one is masihin. You just have to wipe it. And the third one is nadhin. You just have to sprinkle water on it. Ibn Rushdin mentions this in his Bidayat al-Mujtahid. It's called nadhin. It's to sprinkle water The asal of the tahara brothers is al-ma'wata. The water is the asal. And the tayammum is when the water is absent. Okay? And there is no water. Or you're unable to use the water for one reason or another. So that's why the scholars, when they speak about tahara, first thing they mention is al-ma' because all of the tahara goes back to water. That's the asal. So we start with Al-Ma'. The scholars, they divided amongst themselves. Ahlul ilm ikhtalafu fima baynahum ala aqwalin. Aqwaha qawlan. Like two, two views are the strongest. That the water, how many types are there? How many types of water are there? We spoke about Kitab al-Tahara. Now we're going to Babu al-Miyah. The scholars, Ahlul ilm between themselves they differed in the types of water there are if you look at books of fiqh it's so much two views are the strongest that are worth mentioning the first view is that the water is that the water is three types so they divided the water into three. Tahurun. Watahirun wa najasun. Are we all together, brothers? We'll speak about all of that inshallah soon. Tahurun and tahirun and najasun. It's a categorization done by the four madahibul al arba'ah. The four followed madhabs. And Imam Abu Hanifa, and Imam Malik, and Imam Shafi'i, and Imam Muhammad. They, their madhabs, four of them, unanimously agree these three types. There's another view, which is that the water is only categorized into two. That it's either tahur or najas. The water is either Tahur or Najas. And this is the view of Ba'dul Hanafiyya wa waqtiyaru Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah wa ibn Baz wa ibn Uthaymin. This is a view held by some of the Hanafiyya, the Ahnaf. And it's the view pushed by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and also ibn Baz and uh, Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah. Rather, this قول can be said وهو قول المحققين من أهل العلم. Scholars of who do تحقيق of مسائل, this is the view that they've taken. Are we all together? 
So now we're going to go, inshallah ta'ala, into that bidin ilahi al-kareem. The author, rahimahullah, he said, Al-ma'u dawuta, tahirun, it is pure, mutahirun. Here we have a water which is pure, and it purifies. The water, brothers, that is tahir, is laysa bin najasin. In and within itself, this water is not impure. Mutahirun means, it means it purifies others. There's two characteristics that the water has. The water itself is pure. And also it purifies other things. And when we say it purifies other, other things, we mean it re- removes what? Hadith and izalatul najas. izalatul khabath. Those two things. And these are the unrestricted water. When we just say water, generally it's what? It is tahir and it's also mutahir. And that is what Allah said in the Quran, وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً We sent down from the sky a pure water. That's what the Prophet said. The man who urinated in the masjid. A man came and he urinated in the side of the masjid. A Bedouin man. The people scolded him. What did they do? They scolded him and they told him off. And the Prophet said to them, Da'uhu, leave him. And then the Prophet he commanded for what? He said, Go, take a bucket of water and pour it over. So the Prophet said, Min ma water. Unrestricted. There's no quyud connected to that water. It's not called ma'ul ward, this, or ma that. Just water. Pure water. Go and pour it on there. And then the water, what, what is it? It pure in and within itself, and it can also purify based on the hadith of the Bedouin man. The author then said, La yukhriju anil wasfaini. Nothing can remove the water from these two ascriptions. What are the two ascriptions? That it being tahir in and within itself and purifying other things, nothing can take those two from it, those two descriptions, unless the following happens to it. The water, it's tahir and it's also mutahir until one of these happens to it. إِلَّا مَا غَيَّرَ رِيحَهُ أَوْ لَوْنَهُ أَوْ طَعْمَهُ مِنَ النَّجَاسَاتِ It is that which changes its رِيحَهُ its smell أَوْ لَوْنَهُ its color أَوْ طَعْمَهُ its taste مِنَ النَّجَاسَاتِ because of what? because of impurities that fell into it now this water no longer can do what? Raf'ul hadath wa izalatul najasa. This water cannot remove hadath and it also cannot remove najasa. What's the evidence that the water is tahir and mutahir? Wa anzalna min as-sama'i ma'an tahura. Wa yunazzilu alaykum min as-sama'i ma'an liyutahirakum bih. And the story of the Bedouin man that I mentioned. And also the ayah, فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا صَعِيدًا 
So Allah Taala said, if you can't find water, and the water is pure in and within itself, and it also what, it purifies. What is it that can remove the purity of that water and get rid of its purity? It is rihahu, its smell, the scent that comes from the water. Awlawnahu the color, awtaamahu its taste, min al najasati because of impurities that fall into it. Some scholars they transmitted consensus on these three. Are we all together, brothers? Some scholars they transmitted what? Consensus, ijma. Ibn al Mundi rahimahullah he brought an ijma. He said, وَأَجْمَعُوا عَلَى أَنَّ الْمَاءَ الْقَلِيلَ وَالْكَثِيرِ إِذَا وَقَعَتْ فِيهِ نَجَاسَةٌ فَغَيَّرَ لِلْمَاءِ طَعْمًا أَوْ لَوْنًا أَوْ رِيحًا أَنَّهُ نَجَسٌ مَا دَامَ كَذَلِكَ If a water, whether it's little or a lot, if an impurity falls into it, and it then changes that water, it changes its what? Its taste. And it also changes its um, fragrance the scent or it changes the color then this water will be considered what impure water the ahadiths that have come they are not authentic so the famous hadith then this hadith and also Ibn Hajar brings it in Kitab Babul Miyah. He brings it in Kitab Al-Tahara. So that hadith is Da'if. Lakin the ijma' is the evidence here. The water can have two things that fall into it. A water, two things can fall in it or can go into it. It can be something which is what? Impure, which is najis. If something impure goes into the water, then and then it changes the smell, or it changes the taste, or the the, the, the color. This water is impure. It can it's not pure in and within itself, nor can it purify. But if something pure falls into the water, like you put a tea bag inside a water then this is considered pure, it's tahir, but it's not mutahir. It is pure in and within itself, but it can't purify. So you can't use that water to do wudu with it, and you can't do ghusl with it. That's why the author, rahimahullah, here, he said, that what falls into it is an impure thing. But if something pure falls in it, and changes the taste, or it changes the color, or it changes the uh, scent and the fragrance, this doesn't make it what? It doesn't make it mat which is najis. The water is tahir, but it's not mutahir. Naam. وعن الثاني ما أخرجه عن اسم الماء المطلق من المغيرات الطاهرة ولا فرق بين قليل وكثير وما فوق القلتين وما دونهما ومستعمل وغير مستعمل ومتحرك ومتحرك وساكن فصل في The author رحمه الله هي he goes into that. So two things, brothers, I want you to pay attention to that can make the water lose these two descriptions. That's what he wants to do. Two things, two things, they can make the water no longer be either tahir or mutahir simultaneously, and that is when it, impurity falls in it. 
if the impure things fall into the water and they change the fragrance or the color or the scent or the taste and we all together this water and what made the taste change or what made the smell taste uh, change sorry or the color change is something which is impure some urinated inside the water and it now looks yellow methylene this water is nejis what is it nejis it is not tahir nor is it mutahir so it loses those two descriptions that it used to have what about if what falls into it is a pure thing the author is saying the thing that falls into it that changes the color now like a tea bag it takes away from this water what it takes away from this mutahir it doesn't take away tahir it takes mutahir from it it's tahir because you can drink it if you want to you can have it but it's not mutahir meaning it doesn't do raf'ul hadathi wa izalati najis now the author rahimahullah goes into another issue which is does it really matter the quantity of the water the author says wala farqa bayna qalil aw kathir it doesn't matter whether that water is little or a lot it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if the water is little or a lot it doesn't matter some scholars they said yes it is there's a, there's a difference sorry sorry shokani there's a difference and then within themselves the ones who said it matters whether it's a little or a lot then they themselves differed okay what is a little and what is a lot shafi'iyah they took the opinion that what is little or a lot is shafi'iyah this is where they they stood off they said this is our our distinguishing factor whether this water is little or a lot is the concept of al-qullatayn and the word qullatayn or qullatan is tathniyatu qullah it's the dual of qullah are we all together and then within themselves they differed what's the measurement of a qullah they differed amongst themselves some of them they said the qullah is some of them they said it is 160 liters and some of them they said it's 200 liters and some of them they said it's 250 liters and some of them they said it is 275 liters and some of them even said 300 liters of water so they differed even the Shafi'iyah what is the measurement of what? Qullah what is the Qullatan? How much is it? And so here the scholars, they said, them differing upon the concept of Qullatani, what it is and the amount it is, and their idrab of this whole issue, and the fact that it's not known, shows that this is not something that the Sharia actually wants us to give in, to give in, in consideration. Something which is ghayra muhaddad. There can't be a tahadid placed on it. They said this is... Not to mention... The ahadith that the Shafi'iyah used, if the water reaches qullatayn, many of the scholars, they weaken this hadith. And they said this hadith is what? It is weak. Are we all together, brothers? And some scholars, they said, no, it's actually not weak unrestrictedly. Like, to attribute it to the Prophet is da'if.
As for if it stopped to Ibn Umar, then it's Sahih. Are we all together, brothers? This mas'ala, it requires a long discussion. Itself will take hours to talk about. We'll leave it um, for now. وَمُتَحَرِّكٍ وَسَاكِنٍ The author says, it doesn't matter to me whether the water is little or a lot. وَمَا فَوْقَ الْقُلَّتَيْنِ وَمَا دُونَهُمَا Whether it's above قُلَّتَيْن or whether it's below قُلَّتَيْن. It doesn't matter. Chokani said. وَمُتَحَرِّكٍ وَسَاكِنٍ Whether that water is moving or whether it's still water, he said it doesn't matter. To him, it, this is all the same. It is what? All the same. Some of the scholars, they took the opinion that it is not permissible to purify yourself with still water. Water that's still. And they used the famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that's narrated in Sahih Muslim, in Hadith Abi Huraira, that the Prophet said, لا يغتسل أحدكم في الماء الدائم وهو جنوب. لا يغتسل. The scholars they say it's a nahyun, it's a prohibition. يراد منها النفي. I'm a nafyun, sorry. Some scholars they said nahi is intended from it, and some scholars they said no, it's not. This hadith shows that it's impermissible to, to urinate in still water and that you're not allowed. Are we all together? So what do you do? Abu Huraira was asked. There's water in somewhere. Do you go in? He said, no. Go and take the water from the side with a bucket and use it somewhere else. Don't go inside the water. So you can use the water, but you can't go inside it. وَمُسْتَعْمَلٍ وَغَيْرِ مُسْتَعْمَلٍ The author goes into a mas'ala sadisa. This is another sixth mas'ala. He said it doesn't matter whether that water is a used water or not. Are we all together? Whether the, the water is used or not, the author, rahimahullah, he said it doesn't matter to me. خُلَاسَةُ to الْبَابِ Let's, the summary of this chapter now. Write this down. Summary of everything. The unrestricted water it's, is pure in and within itself and it purifies. The unrestricted water is pure in and within itself and it can purify. Point number two. Point number two. The water, it can be mixed with something that is impure or something that is pure. And if what is mixed with it is pure, If what is mixed with it is pure water, then we look at whether it changed change the three factors. The smell, the scent, the taste, or the color. If it didn't change any of those three, then that water, you can still use it. Something pure fell into it. It wasn't able to change any of those three. 
then you can use that water to purify yourself. Raf'ul hadathi wa izalatul najasa. And if it changes any of those three, that pure thing that fell into the water, if it changes anything of it, then it is pure in and within itself, but it can't purify it. As for if something impure falls into the water, and it changes the three, something impure fell into it, and it changes one of the three, then that water is nejas. It's a water which is impure. You cannot utilize it in any way, shape or form. So you can't drink it. You can't use it for other things. Also, you cannot use it for raf'ul hadathi wa izalatul najasa. It's impure water. You can't use it. It's of no value for you anymore. But what about if it doesn't change any of the three? So something impure fell into it and it doesn't change the three. Then that water is tahirun and mutahir. If, it does, if the impure fell into it and it doesn't change it, then that water is pure in and within itself and it purifies others. Whether that water is a lot or little, it doesn't matter. And as a side benefit, when it comes to the chapter of Al-Miyah, the best madhab in that regard is madhab imami al-imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala al-imam Malik's fiqh and his views in Babu al-miyah is the best hatta al-imam al-ghazali who is from the aimat al-shafi'iyah he said waditu he said this in the kitab al-wasit he's a shafi'i hardcore shafi'i al-imam al-ghazali he said waditu I wish law anna madhab al-shafi'i fi al-miyah kana ka madhab malikin I wish that Al-Imam Shafi'i's madhab would be like the madhab of Al-Imam Malik in what? In the chapter of Miyah. The madhab of Al-Imam Malik is the aswab in the Bab al-Miyah. It's closer to the delil and it's so organized. The chapter of and also madhabuhu fil buyuh. Madhab al-Imam Malik is the best when it comes to buyuh. Are we all together, brothers? So don't be a muqa'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'
feces and things like that. So najasa, it's ain. Ain, brother means brothers mean what? You can see, ain here doesn't mean eye, but it means something that's tangible that can be touched, that can be seen. Are we all together? Here, brothers, before we go into details, we have to open this chapter with a very important qaida, which is al-aslu fil tahara. The default position for everything is what? Purification. Everything is tahir. Until what? And if we find a evidence that removes something from its impurity, something from its purity, then it becomes impure. And then the asal is everything is lahir. Then the sharia comes and says, this is, what about this is not lahir, this is not lahir, this is not lahir. We'll accept it then. So the asal of things is tahara. So shawkani, we will look at the things that he mentions under the najasat. We'll look at them. If he brings anything from the najasat that there is no evidence for, we'll say Sheikh is wrong in this issue. Ah, we don't take it from him. Because the qa'idah that we're using is the istishab, biqa' makana ala makan. We're using the qa'idah which is the default position. Which is everything is pure until proven otherwise. And what is it that, can prove, uh, that could uh, prove it otherwise? It's a dalil min al-kitabi aw al-sunnati aw al-ijma'ah. Are we all together? Very good. The author, rahimahullah, then mentions some things that are um, impure. Some things which are impure. They themselves are impure. So if they go in their clothing, if they go in a place that you want to pray, or if they go in your body. By the way, the ayad, the najasat, they go in three places, the najasat. The first thing that they go on is your bedan, your body. And I mentioned that. And they go on your thob, which is your clothing. Or they go on the makan, a place that you want to pray in, or a place. All together. Those are the three spots, the three places. Okay. The third, first thing, the first thing that the author rahimahullah mentioned here, غَائِطُ insan. The first thing that he mentioned is the, the feces. The author mentioned it. The word غَائِط, according to the Arab, are we all together brothers? It's the terms which the scholars refer to as majaz. And they call it majazun naql. You all know majazun naql, I think we're talking in warakat. Is that when a word used to have a particular usage, and then now it gets taken away from that its original usage and it becomes another usage. The word ghaid, according to the Arab, before it used to be matma'anna min al-ardi. It's when the earth is down. The land that is down, that used to be known as ghaid. The down earth. Now the earth is leveled. This is a part where it goes down. That's where it ever goes down. And the reason why they're called ghaid is because when the person would go to do his call of nature, he would go to that land which is a bit down, so that the people can't see him. Are we all together? And so now the action of going to the call of nature became called ghaid. Are we all together? It became called ghaid. That's what the Arabs used to call it before. The ghaid brothers is impure. And it's impure by ittifaq, by unanimous agreement. Meaning, the mas'ala is ijma', is a consensus. There is no difference of opinion. And I'm just going to bring one imam that brought an, uh, an ijma' that the feces is impure. 
and his name is Ibn Hazm. In his Kitab Maratib al Ijma', he says, "Wattafaqu." The scholars are unanimously in agreement. The last part is what concerns us now is And the human feces is impure. And he said this is by consensus of the scholars. So two scholars haven't differed on this particular issue. Okay? And we believe the brothers that the ijma' the consensus is a dalilun min adillati sharah it is one of the evidences in our religion that we must take so this is important that we understand that um, also the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said in a hadith idha ja'a ahadukum ila idha ja'a ahadukum ila al-masjid falyanzur if one of you comes to the masjid let him look at look at what let him look at his shoes and what he's wearing the shoes that you're wearing or your flip-flops or your sandals Look at it. If you see impurities or a filth on your sandals or on your shoes, wipe it on the ground. Then pray on it. Okay? Remember what I said before? The khabath, the najasa is cleaned in three ways. The first one I said is ghaslin, is washed. And the evidence for that is the Arabi, the Bedouin man that came to the masjid. He urinated in the side of the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ go and pour a danuba go and pour a bucket of water over there. So that was washing it. Okay? Also, masah. Masah means to wipe. It's the second way of cleaning a najasa. You might wipe it, like on your shoes. And the third one is nadh. We're going to see it, inshallah. The urine of the, the child, the boy. Okay? That you sprinkle water over it. That's another way of urine, that's cleaning a ayn of najaza. Then, brothers, the place that the sharia tells us to wash, we wash it. The place that the sharia tells us to wipe, we wipe it. The place that the sharia tells us to sprinkle water, we sprinkle water. And we will not be from the ones who will wash where the Sharia told us to sprinkle. Because that will be ghulu. It will be extreme in what the Sharia didn't set, put that in there. We're all together. The author, rahimahullah, he said, so we mentioned the evidence for the urine. Uh, sorry, we mentioned the evidences for the ghaid. Mutlaqan, uh, unrestrictedly. Wabawlahu. And the urine. The urine, we also mentioned the evidence for it. That the urine is impure. And it needs cleaning. That the Arabi man who urinated in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ told that his urine gets washed. The Prophet then when he washed it, and the water was poured over it, the Prophet ﷺ left it like that. He didn't go to the companions and say, dig the earth, and then put the sand at the bottom of the earth to the top. He didn't. Rather, when he did وسلم, tell them to pour a bucket of water over the urine, the Prophet said, I was sent out, the Prophet said to them, one who makes matters easy for the people. And you guys were not sent, including himself, you were not sent out to make things hard on the people. Okay? That's the second thing that the author mentioned that is impure. The first one was غَائِطُ insani mutlaqan. The second one is وَبَوْلُهُ The urine of the, of the humans 
And the third one is Now we want to go into the urine of a child who's breastfed. Okay? The scholars and the people of knowledge, Ahlul Ilm, ikhtalafu fi The scholars differed amongst themselves when it comes to the urine of the child that is breastfed. That which seems authentic. Again, I said there is a difference of opinion. But the strongest opinion is that it's impure. Okay? But that being said, the Sharia, meaning Allah Azza wa Jalla, He made it easy when it came to cleaning the urine of the boy. The Prophet was more, both of them are impure, but he was more what? Easier on the boy's one. There's a hadith. Abu Qaysin radiyallahu ta'ala anha she said anha atat she came bibnillaha a child a son that she had lam yablugh this child never reached an yakula ta'ama to eat food fabala fi hijri rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam so the child the boy he was breastfed he never ate food yet and he urinated in the prophet sallallahu lap alayhi salatu wasalam the Prophet called for some water. What did he do? And then he sprinkled that water on his clothing. And the Messenger did not wash it. Okay? So here, what the Prophet did was sprinkle. The word, it means, he sprinkled some water over it. And there's a hadith narrated from him, hadith Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiallahu ta'ala, Ahmed and Ibn Majah and Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi narrated it. The Prophet said, Yundahu, bawlul ghulami wa yughsalu bawlul jariyah. The boy's urine is sprinkled and the girl's one is washed. So the girl's urine is washed and the boy is one is sprinkled. What boy are we talking about here? The one that has not fed food he doesn't eat food he's given what he's just breast milk and the girl that's given breast milk as well her one's washed okay this some scholars took from this some scholars they took from this that because the boys one is a bit easier because you just sprinkle water over it and the girls one you wash some of the scholars understood from that that the boys urine is not nudges well it's, it's incorrect are we all together? And that's why at the beginning I said to you that cleaning or removing the khabath or the najasa is those three types. It's either ghaslin or mashin or nadhin. Those are the three ways that the najasa is removed. Then the author, rahimahullah, he mentioned walu'abu kalbin. The lu'ab of the dog is what? The lu'ab is um the saliva of the dog. The Prophet وسلم, he said, The Prophet وسلم, he said, Purify your utensils. If the dog places his saliva, and what do you do? The person washes it seven times. 
And the first one of it is with sand. Here the question here is, is the saliva of the dog prohibited because it's nedges? We know that you have to wash it. But is it the saliva and what comes out of the dog's mouth? Is it because it's nedges why the Prophet ﷺ said that? Or it's ta'abud. It's a form of ibadah. We'll answer that question, inshaAllah ta'ala, after the salah. Inshallah ta'ala. So we were talking about lu'abul kalbi. The saliva of the dog, is it najas? The scholars, they have two opinions. There's a view that says that the saliva of the dog is not najas. And the reason why the Prophet sallallahu commanded us to clean the place where the dog's saliva has gone onto is min ta'abud. We're worshipping Allah. It's amrun ta'abudi. As Imam Malik said, it's an act of worship and it has nothing to do with whether it's Tahir or it's Najis. And this view is not a view only held by Imam Malik. It's a view held by Imam Al-Awza'i, Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, ibn al-Munzir, and a lot of the Malikiyya. And if I'm not wrong and my memory serves me right, Ibn Abdul Barr rahimahullah also mentions this view as well or he strengthens this view as well but I'm not sure whether Ibn Abdul Barr I'm not too sure like I'm sure Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri held that opinion and Imam al-Awza'i um, Imam Malik and Imam Ibn al-Mundhir that the saliva of the dog is not najis the reason why we're cleansing ourselves from the saliva of the dog is because it's an act of worship just the same way that we don't eat pork because it's haram and it's a amrun ta'budi. It's not because it has germs or this or that. None of that. It's just amrun ta'budi. And this seems very, very strong. Not to mention that if the Quran has permitted for us uh, and the sunnah, uh, the dog going and hunting for us and then the dog placing his saliva on the animal that he grabbed for us, the Sharia didn't, con didn't consider that meat to be what? Impure. Are we all together? It didn't. So it's an issue of a ta'abudi. That's more stronger. Warawthun. Rawth means what? Arawth means the dung of the animal. The animal feces. The animal feces we divide it into two. The first one is Mimma yukalu lahmu, the animal in which we eat it. There's animal we, animals which we slaughter and we eat, like the uh, camel and the goat, okay, and the cow, of course. All of those we slaughter them, we eat them, okay. Mimma yukalu lahmu. The animals that are, we slaughter and we eat, their urine and their feces, both of them, we believe that they are not impure. They are not impure, rather they're tahir. I repeat, the animals which we slaughter and we eat, their urine 
and their feces, both of it, it's not najis. It's tahir. And the evidence for that is Hadith Anasin, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said that Qadima Nasun min Ukalin, a group of people came from Ukal. Or Uraina. Ukal or Uraina is disputed. They came to the Prophet. They were sick and they were ill. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, we're ill, we have an illness. Then the Prophet, he said to them, 70 reciters of the Quran, Qurra. So I so said these 70 were Qurra. They were the Qurra. And they were sick. And they needed medical attention. And so the Prophet, he sent them. And what happened was, um, he commanded them to take the following medication which is to drink the camel urine and the camel, and camel milk, milk now. So both of them drink it together. Some people think that you drink the urine by itself. You don't. You sprinkle the milk, the urine on the milk. The milk is the percentage, the highest percentage. The urine, you can't drink it by itself. It's too, too strong. So it's sprinkled on the milk. So if the, if the urine of the animal, the camel was impure, then the Prophet wouldn't have told the companions to drink it. From that, the scholars, they took that the animals which we eat, like the goat, and the cow, and the camel, animals that we eat, their urine and their feces, no. As for the ones we don't eat, their feces and their urine are both impure. They're both what? They're both impure. I'll leave the questions to the end, please. Barakallahu feekum. I need to finish Kitab al-Tahara. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, وَبَوْلُ مَا أُكِلَ لَحْمُهُ The animal which is eaten, its urine, وَرَوْثُهُ And it's what? Feces. طَاهِرٌ It's pure. لَمْ يَذْهَبْ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الصَّحَابَةِ إِلَىٰ تَنَجُسِهِ None of the Sahabas and the Tabi'een had the opinion, Sahaba, sorry, sorry, Sahabas, none of them hold the opinion that it's impure. Ibn Taymiyyah said that anyone who says that the urine and the feces of the animal which we eat is impure is coming with a newly invented speech. None of the salaf said from the sahabas. He said this in his Fatawa al-Kubra. The uh, menstruation blood. The menstruation blood, the, the blood that comes from the women is three types. The woman, she receives three bloods, restricted and unique for the women. The first one is menstruation. Menstruation is a monthly cycle that comes to the woman, and we're going to come to that in details, inshallah ta'ala. The second one is it's called damul istihada. Damul istihada is continual bleeding. The woman has a continual bleeding that doesn't stop. We'll also speak about that, inshallah ta'ala. And the third type of blood that comes from the woman is called damun nifas, which is the postnatal bleeding. This is after she gives birth, 40 days. We'll speak about that, inshallah ta'ala. But the blood here that the author chose is wadamu haydin. Wadamu haydin, the blood that is hayd, and in there, damun nifas falls under it, because the damun nifas is a trapped hayd. Like in Damul Istihada, we'll come to that later, inshallah ta'ala. The Damul Hayyadin, the menstruation blood, 
it's impure. So if it goes in the woman's clothing, it's impure. And this is based on the hadith of Asma bint Abi Bakrin radiallahu ta'ala anha wa'an abiha. Qalat, she said, ja'at imra'atun ila rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqalat. A woman came to the Prophet and she said, ihdana yusibu thawbuha. One of us, on her clothing, she would get damul hayd. Okay, menstruation blood. فَكَيْفَ تَصْنَعُ What should she do? The Prophet said, تَحُتُّهُ What she's going to do is, she's going to sprinkle some small water over it, and then she's going to scratch it off. Or she's going to bring the sides of the cloth and rub it against each other, and then peel whatever is on it. Okay, so she scratches it off, and she pours water over it. ثُمَّ تَقْرُسُهُ بِالْمَاءِ then she sprinkles it on it and then she prays on it so whether there's still the stain on there or not it doesn't matter, that's good the fact that the Prophet told her to wash it off and to scratch it off and to do this all of that shows that the blood of the Hayd is najis it shows that it's what? najis the author said the flesh of the swine or the pig. It's what? It's najis. And the dalil ala najasati, the evidence that shows it is najis is So the author wants from it the last part of the ayah where it says and the word rijsun means a najasun. Walahmu khinzir was mentioned. Fa'inno rijsun means a najasun. Some ahlul ilm, they actually transmitted ittifaq ala najasati lahmihi. Some of the scholars, they transmitted ijma'ah. Such as Ibn Hazamin fi maratib al-ijma'ah. The author then said, وَفِيمَا عَدَى ذَلِكَ خِلَافٌ Anything other than that is a difference of opinion. Anything other than that. Meaning what he just mentioned, there's a khilaf. Because we mentioned the qa'ida before, al-aslu fil ashya'i tahara Everything, the asl for it, brothers, is that it is what? It is tahir. Illa ma naqalahu dalilu Except that which the evidence removes it an tahari, an tahuriyatihi. Except that which the dalil removes from its tahuriyah. And says that it's no longer tahir anymore. The asl for everything is what? Everything remains in its default position, which is that it's pure until proven otherwise. So we say everything is pure other, until proven otherwise. All of these are the things that the author mentions that are impure. From the things that are mentioned is al-madhi, which are disputed as well. The madhi. The madhi is um, a fluid which is abyad, raqiqun lejiz, it's sticky, it comes out from the men, yakhruju, it comes out biduni shahwatin wala futur, when it comes out there is no desires with it and there's no fatigue, you don't get tired from it. And this is the one that Ali ibn Abi Talib, he mentioned, it's mentioned in the famous hadith Sahih Bukhari and Muslim, that Ali ibn Abi Talib and he said Kuntu rajulun madha'an Kuntu I was rajulan Ayman madha'an I was a man who was madha'an 
Okay? وَكُنْتُ أَسْتَحِيَ And I was shy and أَسَلَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ To question and ask the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام. Then this is what, this one generally comes out when it's cold. It comes out, uh, maybe sometimes after the, after the person urinates, it comes out. Sometimes it may even come out with the person not even feeling it, it came out. And they see it later. So Ali ibn Abi Talib said, I was one who was madha. It used to come out from me a lot. And I was shy to ask the Prophet why? The reason I never asked him is because his daughter. I was married to who? Ibnatihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's married to who? Fatima. So he's my father-in-law. So what did he do? Again, the Sahabas, even though they were shy and they wanted to know something, they wouldn't uh, dismiss the knowledge and the ilm. So if they want the knowledge, they, will, they, they really want it. So he thought about it and then he called the noble companion, Al-Miqdad ibn al-Aswad. And he said, Miqdad, how about you ask the Prophet for me? And then Miqdad went and Miqdad asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then the Prophet said he washes his private part and then he does wudu and then this shows shows what? that is impure and then he does wudu the overwhelming majority of scholars they took from this hadith that the madhi madhi is najis which the author didn't mention. Lakin the many, many, many. The many is the one that comes out after sexual intercourse. And it's what the one that leads to a child. And it uh, comes out due to desires. And after it, fatigueness and tiredness comes from it. This one is Tahir. This one is not Najis. It is Tahir. And the evidence that it's Tahir is what? The istishab that I just mentioned. The asal is everything is dahir until proven otherwise. So there's no evidence that has been found that shows that the many is what? That the many is najis. So anyone who says that it is najis, fa'alihi bid-dalil. The evidence is, is in what? Is on his neck. As a side benefit, if you can write this benefit down, it's very important, which is Ibn al-Qayyim mentions it in his kitab, I'lam al-Muqi'in. And Ibn Taymiyyah mentions it in his bayan al-Dalil fi butlan al-Tahlil, which is, لَيْسَ كُلُّ مُحَرَّمٍ Not everything which is muharram. Not everything لَيْسَ كُلُّ مُحَرَّمٍ Not everything which is haram najisan is not najis. Is not impure. بَيْنَمَا رَاذَ كُلُّ نَجِسٍ مُحَرَّمٌ But rather every impure is haram for you to utilize. Everything which is impure you cannot utilize. It's haram for you to take it in. نعم فصل فصل في تطهير النجاسات ويطهر ما تنجس بغسله حتى لا يبقى عين ولا لون ولا ريح ولا طعم والنعل بالمسح والاستحالة مطهرة لعدم وجود الوصف المحكوم عليها وما لا يمكن غسله فبالصب عليه أو النزح منه حتى لا يبقى النجاسة أثر والماء هو الأصل في التطهير فلا يقوم غيره مقامه إلا بإذن من الشارع. The author رحمه الله هي he goes into فصل. I said to you before the word كتاب comes from the root word of كتاب يكتب كتابا. And we said that the word كتاب is 
الضم والجمع and that's what we say كتيبة الجيش يعني مجموعة من أفراد الجيش so the word kitab that's what it means under a kitab there's a bab and a bab is a what? chapter and under the chapter there's a fasl under it is a what? al-fasl what does the fasl mean? it means al-hajz bayna shay'ayni fasl is um, in English it might be a unit it is whatever distinguishes between two things that's why they say فصل الربيع فصل الشتاء فصل الصيف وهلم جرا so that's what the word فصل means in the Arabic language but then what does فصل mean according to the ulama is اسم لجملة مختصة من الباب it's a ch- many it's many فصول that come together make a bab and many babs that come together make a kitab so this is how it goes many مسائل that come together make a فصل and many فصول that come together make say a bab and many babs that come together make a kitab وهكذا. the author rahimahullah here he goes into how does one clean a najasa how do you purify a najasa I already told you this brothers the najasa it's a ain it's something you can see صحيح it's something you can see the thing that you can see it's purified in one of three ways the first way is غسلين, you wash it. And the second one is masin, you wipe it. And the third one is nadhin, you sprinkle it. وهكذا. Those three, and I gave the examples. Now the author is just going to expand on that, inshallah ta'ala. That these are the three ways that the najasat are cleaned. Okay? And it's cleansed. And it's removed. R- brothers, you will be sometimes asked, what's the difference between raf'ul hadathi wa izalatun najasa? What's the difference between Raf'ul Hadath and Izalatul Najasa? There are many furuq. And Imam Al-Qarafi, rahimahullah, in his kitab Al-Furuq, he mentions it. And Ibn Taymiyyah mentions it, rahimahullah ta'ala, in the 12th volume in his Maju'u Al-Fatawa. Ala kulli hal, the main biggest difference is Raf'ul Hadath, it requires an intention. Lakin Izalatul Najasa doesn't necessarily require a intention. So a person can clean a urine from somewhere without having the intention. Whereas, if you're going to do ghusl or wudu, you need intention. Because that's hadath. Lakin the najasa, amad khabath, to remove it, you don't have to have an intention. Example, if someone sees a child urinating on the side of the masjid and then he comes and he pours a bucket of water over it with no intention, he just wants to remove this dirt. Or even a non-Muslim does it. A non-Muslim pours the water over there and he cleans it. Alhamdulillah. In that situation, brothers, is it, um, is it cleaned, that water, that place? Yes, it is. Or even you didn't clean it. You were walking and it rained so much and then rain cleaned your, the urine from your clothing. Is it clean? It's clean. Intention is not needed for the najasa. Lakin, the hadath, it needs intention. It needs what? Intention. Now I want to mention something when it comes to the najasa. There's something with its najasa itself, like what we took, like damul hayl, like the bowl. Are we all together? They are najas. And some things, they, the najasa goes onto something which is tahir, and now we want to move the najasa from this thing which it, which it made it impure. Does that make sense? The clothing is, is tahir. The urine is najas. The urine goes on the clothing. 
we can never purify urine. We can never make urine clean because urine will always be nijis. We'll together, brothers. But what we want to purify when we say here is we want to cleanse the pure thing from the impure thing that went on it. Does that make sense? Yeah? That's what the author means here. That it goes on somewhere that we want to clean. Like in, we don't clean damul hayl, but we clean the clothing that it went on to. Does that make sense? And the kayfiyah, in which you clean that clothing, I mean, you clean that. Remember the najasa goes in three places. I mentioned it, your body, your clothing, or the place that you want to pray. Or the place. Those are the three places. Those three places are tahir, and then the najasa fell onto it. When we want to clean it, we want to get rid of the najasa. The Sharia is going to tell us how to do that. We do it exactly how the Sharia tells us to do it. We don't exceed it and go overboard with it and we don't go laxidaisical with it. We do the exact amount and how it's wanted and needed uh, from us. The author then mentions a very important qaida which is if you clean somewhere, okay, and you've done what was needed from you according to how the Sharia set it. Is it clean? It is. For example, the place where you have to do the washing, if you washed it, that's it. The place where you were told to wipe it, if you wiped it, that's it. The place where the Sharia told you to sprinkle, if you sprinkled it, the job is done. Are we all together, brothers? That's good. Now we go back to the things that are impure in and within itself. Am I making sense? We've just spoken about if the impurity goes on somewhere, we clean it in those three steps. Either ghuslin, we wash it, or mashin, we wipe it, or nadhin, we sprinkle it. We said that, right? Are we all on the same page? Are you all sure? All on the same page? What page am I on? And I'm sorry. The second type is the thing itself which is najis. Can it ever become tahir? Yes, it can. This is where the author says, وَالِسْتِحَالَةُ مُطَهِرَةُ لِعَدَمِ وُجُودِ الْوَصْفِ الْمَحْكُومِ عَلَيْهِ If this thing that was najis, does istihala meaning it changes from what it used to be into something else? No problem. For instance, are we all together brothers? The feces goes on the ground and then it mixes with the earth and then it becomes dust. It's like it's tahir, no problem. Or a khinzir. Some places they turn it into salt, milh. It became become it gets converted into what? Or gelatin that we have today. Gelatin which is taken from some places they take it from beef and some places they take it from what? Pork. This is called istihala. It came from here and it moved onto this form. Is it? The Sheikh is saying, well, istihala to mutahiratun. It's tahir, no problem. It's no longer what it used to be. It changed from one form and it became something else. The thing that was labeled on it is no longer present anymore. So the things which are ayan, that are either muharram or that are najis, if istihala happens to them and they change from one form to another, they are no longer considered to be what? They are no longer either considered to be najis or even muharram. 
Are we all together, brothers? So if a khinzir is made from milh, salt, it's no problem. It's not considered haram. Min babil wara, you can stay away from it and not take it and leave it and abandon it. Like in the author here is saying, because it moved from this to this, it is um, it's something else. It's not khinzir. You will not call it khinzir. What are you going to call it? You're going to call this milh. You're not going to call this sweet pork. What are you going to call it? Sweet. Are we all together? These gummies that children eat. Oh, yeah. also, sorry, the author then says, Something that can't be washed. There are some things that we can't wash, like the earth. So what do we do? We pour water of it. And this is the example of the Hadith Al-Arabi, the story of the Bedouin man who urinated. What was done? Nobody can clean the floor like that. So you pour a bucket of water, which is a form of washing. You just wash it with water. Naam. Brothers, which is the thing that purifies? Water. Brothers, the qadiyah of knowing what is an asal, which is the default position, is very important in fiqh. Very important. Because... If you move from the asal, the person has the right to ask you, Lima, why? No one can ask you about the asal. If something is upon the correct. So, for example, someone is purifying himself with water, no one's going to say, Why are you purifying yourself with water? But if someone is doing tayammum, we have the right to ask them, Why are you doing tayammum for? Because tayammum is not the asal. What is the asal? The water is the asal. Are we all together? So knowing the asal in every chapter of fiqh helps you a lot. Because you don't have to explain yourself if you're upon the asal. The other person has to explain himself. Does that make sense? No? Huh? Then the asal is that we purify ourselves with water. Water is the asal. We, that's what the author is saying. Nothing can stand in the position of water. Illa bi'idhni min al-shari'i. The shari' which is Allah Azza wa Jalla. And the Prophet is sometimes referred to as the Sharia. Ibn Taymiyyah says Majazan. The Prophet is not a legislator. Allah is the one who legislates. The Prophet is a Muballigh. He conveys on behalf of Allah. Anyways, the Prophet and Allah, whatever they state and tell us, or whatever situation they tell us, that you can leave the water and you can use other than the water, then we, we will. We will. So the person who uses other than water, he has to have evidence for that. Are we all together? And there are two situations when you have the rights to leave the water. The first one is Adam when there is no water found. Are we all together? There's no water. You can't find water. And the second one is Bararun, a harm that will come about if you use the water. A harm that will come. The water is there, not missing. But there's going to be a harm that's going to come if you utilize the water. And the harm could sometimes be that you're physically going to get sick from using the water. Or if you use the water, you're going to die for thirst, from thirst, because you need the water for drinking. It's the only water that you have for drinking. So you don't want to use it for wudu or ghusl. Are we all together, brothers? No. باب قضاء الحاجة على المتخلي الاستتار حتى يدنو 
والبعد أو دخول أو دخول أو دخول الكنيف وترك الكلام والملابسة لما له حرمة وتجنب الأمكنة التي منعاني التخلي فيها شرع أو عرف وعدم الاستقبال والاستدبار للقبلة وعليه الاستجمار بثلاثة أحجار طاهرة أو ما يقوم مقامها وتندب الاستعادة عند الشروع والحمد بعد الفراغ. The author رحمه الله here now he goes into the issue of قضاء الحاجة. قضاء الحاجة what does it mean? It means الذهاب إلى الخلاء going to the call of nature. Going to call of nature. I'm going to the toilet. I'm going out in the open. Why? لإخراج البول is either to bring out urine or ilghaiti or feces. Those are the two white people. Number one and number two, right? We call it in English. So you want to do number one or you want to do what? Number number two. There are manners in Islam. Islam is a deenun kamilun shamilun. يا إخوة فديننا لم يخلو عن حكم على مر الزمان لو بدأ ما أعضل لأنه قد احتوى قواعدة تستخرج الأحكام عنها راشدة. Our religion has not left anything except that it's given a rule into it. The religion that tells us that when we go to the toilet, how we should be is not going to abandon us when it comes to aqidah related issues or political issues or our salvation and how we can live and how we can. It won't abandon that. If it's telling us when we go to the toilet, how we should clean the front and the back. This religion is made for every situation that we are in. Any circumstances that we're going through. The religion has answers for all of that. Are we all together, brothers? It does. So here we're going to go to Babu Qadha al-Haja. عَلَى الْمُتَخَلِّ الْإِسْتِثَارُ حَتَّى يَدُنُوَ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ The author says, the one who's doing his call of nature, by the way, the word call of nature, is it an atheistic statement? I don't know, it sounds like it, right? It's like nature makes you do this and it's not something from Allah. It sounds like it, right? But I don't mean it like that, if you know, I believe in Allah. So, I don't know how to say it in a sensible way. But it sounds very atheistic to me. The person who's going to do his business, upon him is al-istitar. Al-istitar is the first thing that you need to do. If you want to go out there and fulfill your need, upon you number one is al-istitar. Remember al-istitar? The word istitar, remember the Arabic language? The alif and seen when they go in the letter, it shows talabu sitri. It is, huh? is to conceal yourself. And what is it that you want to conceal yourself from? A'yunin nas, the eyes of the people. So you conceal yourself. You hide yourself. Until you get close to the earth. Meaning, the author doesn't want to say to you, cover yourself. It doesn't make sense. How am I going to do my call of nature? He said, okay, cover yourself until you get close to the earth. In other words, you're going to go out there in the open and you want to do your business. Don't pull up your garment so high and just walk naked until you get there. And then you say, because I need to go to the toilet. Lift your clothing when you're close to the earth. That's what he's saying to you. And what is the evidence for that? The evidence for that is the hadith Imam Abi Dawood narrated. The Prophet وسلم, was one that if he had a need or he wanted to fulfill his needs, he will never lift his garment until he became close to the earth. 
Okay, Abu Dawood narrated this, and some of the scholars they said this is a hadith al-da'if li'annahu mudarib. They said this hadith is it's da'if because it's mudarib. Al-Imam Darqutniyu in his ilal al-warida he weakens it. And Tirmidhi in his sharh ilal al-sagir he weakens it there because the hadith being mudarib. Also, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in another hadith, "Man man atal ghaid." Anyone who goes out there to do his business and he wants to uh, do what he needs to do, فليستتر. okay, he should do what? Istitar. And this hadith, also some scholars weakened it because of a man in the chain who was criticized, Al Hussein uh, Ibn Al Habrani. They said he's mutakallamu fi. Some of the scholars they weakened it because of him. So, there's a differences in it. Sheikh Al-Bani rahimahullah strengthens him in Irwa'il Ghalil. Anyways, these ahadiths, whether they are sahih or not, individually, when you bring all of these narrations together, they strengthen one another. And of course, the Quran is a shahidun lahu. The Quran is a strong force for it, which is qawlu ta'ala, that the believers were commanded to lower their gaze. And so lowering the gaze means that the aura of the Muslim should be concealed and high hidden. And so anything that could lead from people to conceal each other's aura from one another, the Sharia calls to it. And the Prophet said in an authentic hadith, protect your private part, except from your spouse or that which your right hand has possessed. The second thing that you need to do, brothers, is you've hidden yourself from the people. Try to go far from the people. Don't be somewhere where the people can hear the noise that's coming from you. You see, the eyes, the Sharia doesn't want people's eyes to see you. Also, don't do it in a place where the people can hear the noise that's coming from you. Abandon that and leave it. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and sorry, Jabir ibn Abdullah, the hadith of Aisha. Jabir ibn Abdullah, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said that, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ida arad al bazara. If the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wanted to go out and do his business, he will go hatta la yarahu ahadun. He will go as far as to no one seeing him. He would, he would go far until no one would see him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what we need to do is hide ourselves and go far from the people as well. The third thing that we need to do is stay away from talking. Some people, what they do is when they're in the toilet, they love to talk on the phone and it's not good. They chat on the phone. Hi, really? Say Allah. Ha. And they're on the toilet. Inna lillahi wa inna ila raji'un. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يخرج الرجلان يضربان الغائض كاشفين عن عورتهما يتحدثان فإن الله يمقت على ذلك. Allah hates that, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Two individuals who are both uh, doing their call of nature and uh, they're both naked and they're talking with each other how are you doing how's your day and they're both doing their call of nature i mean at that time there was no mobile phone so right now it applies to even a person on the other side of the world who is what who's not necessarily doing their call of nature it's not good to talk to them because allah ta'ala he hates that subhanahu wa ta'ala allah he hates that. In, again, this hadith, some of the scholars, they said, They said, this hadith is da'if and it's mudarib. And in there, there's a man who's unknown. 
okay lakin ma'nahu tufiqa fi the meaning that is in it is what it's agreed that one should not do this okay what about if i'm in doing my call of i'm dealing with my business and then someone says assalamu alaykum to me what do i do Naam. Is it, is it, is it haram? Is it makru? Is it disliked? What's the situation? <laughs> it's something that a person should avoid and stay away from. It's disliked, greatly disliked. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he was greeted whilst doing a call of nature or he's doing his business. And the Prophet ﷺ, he came out and he said, In karihtu an Allah. I disliked to mention Allah ala ghayri tuhrin. I didn't want to mention Allah in a state of impurity. What is also disliked, or sorry, that one should stay away from when they're doing the call of nature is to not touch something that is sacred in the religion. So for example, if you have a mushaf in your pocket, get rid of it, don't take it to the toilet. If you've got a ring that has Allah or something, take it off. Okay, all of that, get rid of it. And don't have it. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha she said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it's either Aisha or Anas ibn Malik and one of them narrated she said that anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was one that when he, got, when he would do his business in the toilet he would said wada'a khatimahu he would take off his ring the reason why he would take off his ring is because the ring said on it what? Muhammad Rasulullah, that's what he used to say on it. And then his Allah's name on there, it's sacred, so the Prophet will take it off. So once you take it, take it off. This hadith is authentic. Some of the scholars, they said it's a hadith, it's a hadith which is da'if and it's not, um, it's not uh, authentic. What about if the ring if this hadith is da'if the scholars unanimously agreed upon that if the ring is in the left hand you have to take it off they differed upon whether it's in the right hand now are we all together because the left hand what are you going to do with it it's the it's the it's the hand it's the hand right it's the one that cleans the call of your uh, cleans you so they said because of allah's name cannot touch that and if the person does that out of joking or mocking then it can become disbelief and if the person does it out of uh, laziness they are athim. they are what they are great sinners also leaving off places where the sharia prohibited there are some places in the sharia prohibited for you to urinate or to do your call of nature from, such as the famous hadith where the Prophet said Ittaku fear the two cursed who are the two cursed the Prophet said the one who urinates in the people's paths you see him on the corner urinating on the corners on the streets urinator he urinates there or he urinates in the places where the people gather under the trees and where the people come together, he urinates on those places. That's a cursed individual. Um, 
So that one is the place where the Sharia prohibited us from doing our, our business. Also, there are places where we're not allowed to do our businesses, not because the Sharia prohibited it, but Urfan, the people's customs. Their people's customs is that you don't do it here. Are we all together? Then if, it, if there's a place in the people's custom that this place, you don't do this. Don't do it. Because the urf is ma'mulun bihi idha warad. The urf is also implemented. And it's taken into consideration. The author goes into a mas'ala called facing the qibla and facing away from the qibla. That's also something a person should not do when they are in their call of nature. Um, they are doing their business. The Prophet sallallahu said in a hadith, إِذَا جَلَسَ أَحَدُكُمْ عَلَىٰ حَاجَتِهِ فَلَا يَسْتَقْبِلُ الْقِبْلَةَ وَلَا يَسْتَدْبِرْهَا If one of you is doing his business, فَلَا يَسْتَقْبِلُ الْقِبْلَةَ Don't face the qibla, وَلَا يَسْتَدْبِرْهَا And do not face away from the qibla. So then, your front part cannot face the qibla, and your back cannot face the qibla as well. So Salman, he said, نَهَانَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ نَسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةَ بِغَائِطٍ أَوْ بَوْلٍ Salman al-Farisi said that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us to face the Qibla, whether we are doing our call of nature, whatever we're doing, urinating, or whether we are doing our feces. Um, here the question is, how do we reconcile this statement of the Prophet ﷺ with the fact that he was seen والسلام, doing something, which is the hadith of Ibn Umar. He said, I climbed. I climbed to the top of a building. I said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I saw the messenger of Allah. I saw the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam facing Bayt al-Maqdis. If the Prophet is facing Bayt al-Maqdis, what's his back facing? He's facing the Qibla. Okay? From Medina, if you're facing Bayt al-Maqdis, then your back is facing the Qibla. So, the Prophet was doing it. Here, the scholars went back and forth on this issue. The Prophet is doing something here, and in the hadith, he prohibited it, How do we reconcile between this? How do we... The Qaida, brothers, of number one is, The Qaida is that we should try to implement both of the hadiths if we're able to bring them together before we try to dismiss one over the other. As Sahib al-Maraqi says in his Alfiya, it is wajib for us to try to bring these two evidences together before we try to even think about saying this abrogated this one. So we first have to try a way to bring the other evidences with this situation. So what do we do? And how do we bring it? The strongest opinion is in this issue is Qawlul Imam al-Shafi'i. And I'm not saying this because it's ana ala hadha al-madhab. And this is the view of Imam al-Bukhari and Ibn al-Mundhir and Jumhur al-Ulama. Okay? And it, that Imam al-Shafi'i said it's even good. It's a good, good thing for us. But it's not because he said it. Which is that At-Tafriqu Bayna al-Sahara that we distinguish between it being the desert and it being a bunyan, a house. Okay? Fayajuzu fil bunyani, we will say inside a building it is permissible amalan bi hadith ibn Umar, based on the hadith ibn Umar, because there was walls around him, no problem. 
But if you are out in the open, are we all together, brothers? If you're out in the open, then what do you do? You are not allowed to face the qibla, or you're not allowed to face away from the qibla. Are we all together? That's the best way to bring it together. That is the best way to bring it together. And if you want to read this more and really see what's been said in great details, then I will encourage you to go to Hadith 144 in Sahih al-Bukhari, Sharh ibn Hajar, Fathul Bari. It's the 11th Bab, Hadith 144 in Sahih al-Bukhari. Hafid ibn Hajar, pages, not page, pages. He goes in, Rahimahullahu ta'ala. He discusses it in great details. I would encourage you to look at all the aqwal and all of the evidences of all of this. What about the istijmar? The, prof, the author, rahimahullah, says, وَعَلَيْهِ الْإِسْتِجْمَارُ بِثَلَاثِ أَحْجَانٍ طَاهِرَةٍ أَوْ مَا يَقُومُ مَقَامَهَا Now we're going to go into what do you clean yourself with when you go to do your business. The Prophet ﷺ, he said that one should use um, three stones that are pure or anything that can take its place. The stones that are three can be in two ways. Three different stones or one stone that has three edges, three sides. No problem. It can be two. It can be three stones or one stone that has three edges. That's all no problem. Um, what about if the person he's unable, he's unable to do it with three. He tried three. It's, it's not working. Then the person does it to five but what about if he finished it with four he cleaned it with four just add the fifth one onto there because it's witr it's odd Allah loves odd if you couldn't clean it on five and then you reach six and you clean it then make it seven because it's odd and Allah loves odd subhanahu wa ta'ala or anything that takes the place of a of a stone which is today what we have and uh, tissues and as a Muslim today, if you know what it, you, you should all understand that it's not enough for a person just to use tissue or just to use stone. Alhamdulillah, we're not at a time where the person has to choose only one and abandon the other. It's something that a person should stick to, which is the minadil and the water. Use both of them. Okay? The water and the tissue to keep it clean is very with both of them but if you have to choose one you have to okay that's you again you have to then go for water go for what water then the water stronger but that being said never it's rare that you'll be put in a situation where you have to choose combine the two brothers um, it's also been transmitted that the Prophet ﷺ, he prohibited that the person um, cleans himself with his right hand or he touches his private part with his right hand when he's urinating. We need to nurture our young kids with this. Some parents, they're sending their children to Quran classes and the child is about to finish and the kid is urinating, standing up or he's holding his private part when he urinates. Or whenever he finishes urinating, he tucks his trousers in. And we've seen that. We teach them Quran, these little kids. And sometimes they leave the toilet door open and they're urinating and they're not cleaning themselves when they finish. They just close their zip and they come out. And their children, parents are sending them as a what? Their parents are sending them as her father of the Quran. And these are important information that they need to tell them. 
Are we all together? So we need to teach our children. You're not allowed to touch your private part with your right hand. You are not also allowed to meaning cleaning yourself with your right hand. You clean yourself with your left hand. Okay? And um, I remember when I was very young in school, um, the, uh, I, I was, it was in the UK school. So I uh, was meant to do work in class. The teacher said, everyone do your work. And somehow, I don't remember what the reason was, I had to eat the fruits. They used to give us fruits in school. Primary school, they, they, the teacher, they cut up fruits and they give it to the kids. So they cut up some fruits for me, but they said, you have to do your work on your right hand. And they said, eat with your left hand. So she teaches said, carry on the work and use your other hand. But I said, Miss, I can't. And then she said, why? I said, this is the poo-poo hand. She said, what do you mean this is the poo-poo hand? I'm meaning the left hand. Why? Why? What do you mean that? I said, because I'm, I'm young and I don't understand. I said, do you use your right hand for, for, for the toilet? <laughs> she said, yes. I was like, I would be <laughs> So I came home, I told my mom, how is it possible that you use your right hand and you eat with your right hand? I just went quiet. I said, okay. So it's Ajib. Nurture your children upon this. That they know this is not a hand you eat with because of that. And your right hand is, my, I eat my food with it. The author says, it's recommended that the person says, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khaba'ith. And also to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika, sorry, to say istighfar, which is ghufranik. It's recommended. And the author then says, walhamdu, and to say, alhamdu ba'da al-firaq. Once you finish your, when you release yourself, when you go in, you say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khaba'ith. When you come out of the toilet, you say ghufranik. And the author mentioned a third thing, which is you say, alhamdulillah, when you finish your call of nature. And he's speaking about the famous hadith, Allahumma alhamdulillah alladhi adhaba anni al-adha wa'afani. And this is a hadith al-da'if. It is not authentic because in the chain of the hadith is Ismail ibn Muslim and he is a person who is not taken. Naam. Babu al-wudhu yajibu ala kulli mukallaf an yusamia idha dhakar wa yatamadmada wa yastanshik thumma yagsilu jami'a wajhih thumma yadayhi ma'afir mirfaqayhi thumma yamsahu ra'zahu ma'udhunayhi ويجزئ مسح بعضه والمسح على العمامة ثم يغسل رجليه مع الكعبين وله المسح على الخفين ولا يكون وضوء ولا يكون وضوءا شرعيا إلا بالنية he goes into what? Uh, Al-wudu. What is wudu, brothers? Isalul ma'i ila al-a'da'i al-arba'ati ma'aniyyah. Simple as that. It is to reach the water to all four main limbs of your body. Okay? With what? With an intention. What is the wudu? Wudu is wajib for the salah. Allah says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu Ida kumtum ila salati Faghsilu wujuhakum wa aydiyakum Ila al-marafiq Wa msahu biruusikum Wa arjulakum ila al-ka'abayn Wa arjulikum ila al-ka'abayn Different qira'a The wudu is a what? It's a shart It's a condition And it's a shart La tasihu salatu illa biha Ama illa bihi 
it's a condition. Without it, the salah doesn't exist. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم إذا أحدث حتى يتوضأ. Allah will not accept the prayer of a person who has had minor impurity unless he does wudu. Ibn al-Mundir he said, أجمع أهل العلم على أن الصلاة لا تجزو إلا بطهارة إذا وجد المرء إذا وجد إذا وجد المرء إليها السبيل. Ibn al-Mundir said, the scholars and the people of knowledge are unanimously in agreement that the salah is not accepted. If a person is able to do tahara and do the wudu, eh, there's no way around that. You have to. So there's a consensus, there's no difference of opinion. The author says, The person who's doing wudu, the first thing that's needed from him is to say bismillah. To say what? To say bismillah. And the author, rahimahullah, here is referring to the statement of the Prophet where he said, لا صلاة لمن لا وضوء له ولا وضوء لمن لم يذكر اسم الله. The author is referring to the hadith Abu Dawood وغيره narrated it that there is no salah for the one who has no wudu and there is no wudu for the one who hasn't said Bismillah. And this hadith, the scholars they went back and forth. Ahmed Abu Dawood and others narrated it. الإمام البخاري أعله بالانقطاع. Bukhari said this hadith is منقطر. It's disconnected. And other scholars like Ibn Mulaqin in his Kitab al-Badl al-Munir he said all of the narrations that have come regarding this particular hadith all of them question mark Lakin, um, one of the shaykhs from Egypt Abu Shaq al-Huwaini he wrote a risala a very beneficial risala on the, all the turuq of this hadith and he brought it together and presented that this hadith is sahih. And it is as he said. So what we say is that the hadith uh, of the hadith of wudu uh, is sahih. It is sahih. Then, if we say it's sahih, it's scary. Because in the hadith it says what? There is no wudu for the person who hasn't said bismillah. Then brothers, you should say bismillah I mean, you must say bismillah from today onwards when you do your wudu say bismillah and you don't say bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim oh you just say bismillah okay no one told you to say ar-Rahman and no one told you to say ar-Rahim just say bismillah okay just say bismillah if a person forgets and is in a state, for, state of forgetfulness and doesn't remember to say it does he then have to repeat it we will say no we will say no. Because, if, especially if he prayed the salah. If he hasn't prayed the salah, he has to repeat the wudu again. But if he's prayed the salah, then Allah says, Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina, Okay. The person, what does he do? He does two things. Which is al-madmada, wal-istinshaq, wal-istintar. We're going to add all of that. Those three. What does al-madmada mean? Place the water in your mouth. That's madmada. And then what do you do? Thumma yudiruhu. You circulate that water in your mouth. No, don't swallow the water. Ah, no, no, don't swallow it. That water circulates in your mouth, up and down, every part of your mouth. Al-istinshaq is idkhalul ma'i fil anf. You take the water and you try to put it into your nose. And what do you do? You try to make that water reach as far as possible. Okay? 
as far as possible. It hurts if you go too, too far. Okay? The Prophet ﷺ, he said in a famous hadith, Go as far as making that water reach, but if you're fasting, be careful. When you're fasting, don't. Don't put the water too far. And the other one is al-istinthar. Al-istinthar is ikhrajul ma'i min al-anfi. It's to bring the water out of your nose. And you use which hand? The left hand. So you put the water in your right hand and you bring it out with your, with your left hand. Then after that, the person washes his, washes his entire face. Again, face is what? What is a face? A face is min al-jabha. From the top of... It's whatever when you look at a person you can see. Can you see here from a person? No, you can't. Okay. So it is whenever a person comes to you face to face, that is called a, a face. So the scholars, they made it easy. They said, The place where the hair starts from. Okay, up to where to your jaw, and ومن شحمة الأذن until the other ear. So the ard is this, and the tall is this. You do that, brothers. And the ulama they all unanimously agree upon على وجوب غسله that is obligatory to wash your face. Ha. Very good. ثم يديه مع مرفقيه then he goes to the hands from the if you the hands are two things if you washed your hands at the beginning when you're starting then you don't have to do the hands again when you're doing your this are we look at the brothers but if you didn't wash it at the beginning now when you're washing your hands and your arms your hands have to be in there so you start from here and you go down here the question is the his elbows right I know I was just testing you guys <laughs> I don't want to say ankles <laughs> okay this is your elbows right is the elbows inside there do you have to wash the elbows as well naam the scholars they differed here like in they said wash your faces they said that the word to it doesn't mean that the elbows are in there they said the word ila, it doesn't show. And then the other scholars, they responded and they said, no, it does show with. And our evidence is where Allah wa ta'ala, he said in the Quran, Do not eat their wealth and their risk. Their wealth and your wealth. With, is it amwalihim or amwalikum? Yeah? means with their wealth so the word ila in the quran has sometimes meant ma'a with so here it means it means with the elbows in there and there's actually a hadith where it says that the prophet washed his right hand uh, until he reached here so it shows that he added the what the elbows in there so the elbows fall under the washing 
and then the person wipes over their hair and then the hair is wiping and so because it's wiping it's only once and if you do it twice it's called washing if you go on your hair again twice it's washed you're washing it now you're not wiping it are we all together the water that you use for it is once you've taken that water once and your hand is belal one time if you take another water for it again brother what are you doing are you washing your hair that's what should be asked okay okay brothers the hair or the head which was right because the person come out and say i don't have no hair yeah if a person says i don't have no hair what do you do is it the hair or is it the head yeah I mean, it's easy for you guys to say head and hair. Look, mashallah, barik, you guys all got hair. Hey, yeah. It's both of them. So the word ras means head or hair. Yeah? A ras, does it mean head or hair? Yeah? Okay. If you believe it's head, put your hand up. The head. If you believe it's the hair, put your hand up. If you're on neither the side, you're like, I haven't made my mind up. I'm thinking about it. Put your hand up. And if you are Allahu A'lam, put your hand up. Those are the group. The Allahu A'lam group is the best. It's the head, brothers. Okay? It's the head. Here's a question. Is it all the head? Or some of it? And the reason why this argument even came up in the first place is because the ba'hiya in biru'usikum it's disputed. Is it ba'at-tab'idiyah? Or is this ba'lil-ilsaq? If you say it's lil-ilsaq, then you mean the whole entire head should be washed. And that's your qawl. May Allah make it. And if you are of the opinion that it's tab'idiyah, then you believe some of the hair needs to be washed. Which one is? The ayah can take this meaning and it can take that meaning. So what do we say? What's the situation here, brothers? We'll come to that. This author is going to bring it, so we're not going to go ahead of him. He's going to bring it. Right now he's going to bring it soon. You... Again, brothers, the water that you brought for the hair is what you use for the ear. You don't bring new water, okay? You don't. How do you wipe over your ears? You do it from outside, no, sorry, inside, sorry, and outside. So you do this. So you put from outside, uh, from the bottom, and the outside. Those are the two places that you wipe it. As it was narrated from the hadith of Al-Miqdad ibn Ma'di Karibin radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said that the Prophet sallallahu wiped birasihi his head wa'udunayhi and his ears zahirihima wa batinihima the inside and the outside. Both of them he he, brought, he wiped it salawatullahi wa salamun alayhi. And the way that you need to do it is as I showed you. You put your hands here one finger inside it and then you do this and the one that's inside it you just wash it like that both of them you do it here is the issue now it is permissible for the person to wipe over some of the head it is permissible 
Um, the author here is wrong. There is no authentic hadith transmitted from the Prophet that his hair was showing that he only wiped over some of his head. I never said that, by the way. I haven't looked at all of the hadiths. Some, the scholars said that. They said that there's no hadiths from the Prophet that he just did this to the water and khalas, he went. Nothing like that. But what has been transmitted is that the Messenger had an imamah on, a turban. And what he did was he wiped over some of the head and then he finished it off on the imamah. Are we all together, brothers? That's been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ, but not, but it hasn't been transmitted from him والسلام, that he only wiped over some of the head. It hasn't been transmitted from him. And it's also been transmitted from him that he didn't even wipe on his head. Aslan, he wiped fully on the imamah. It has been transmitted from him. That you don't even do it on your head at all. What do you do? You can do it on your the turban that you're wearing. You don't even do it. It has been transmitted. Are we all together, brothers? And the imama is the turban, the turban, the turban. So two things have been transmitted from him. That he fully wiped over the imama, and it's also been transmitted from him, salawatullahi wasalamun alayhi, that he what? The nasiya, the nasiya is the front part of his hair. He wiped over that, and then he finished it off on the turban. That was also transmitted from him. Lakin, him وسلم, only doing part of his hair and not finishing off on anywhere else there is no evidence for that Thumma after that the person washes his legs with the um, the heel uh, with the heels and with the ankles so you have to and some people what they do is they, they, they take the washing of the leg very lightly and how do they get how do they do that they just put their leg under the water and they go. This is wrong. The Prophet ﷺ, he one time was a tra he was traveling and the Prophet ﷺ was away and the Sahabas went to do wudu and then when they were doing the wudu, um, they were wiping over their legs but they were missing some parts. And then the Messenger ﷺ, he screamed. And then he said, Wailul Aqabi min nar two times or three times. Okay? Bukhari and Muslim both narrated that. This shows again, sometimes it is permissible. I think Bukhari even chaptered that in his Sahih. In when he brought this hadith. The permissibility of the teacher or the person who's educating the people to shout sometimes when there is a need for it. And that is not bad manners. Okay? So the Prophet raised his voice, he screamed, not at them, but the point. He wanted to bring this point very clear to the companions that you know, well be to those hills that are not washed. So it's very dangerous. That is very, very dangerous. Make sure that you... Also, you're allowed to wipe over your khufain. You're allowed to. What takes the place of the khuf brothers is the what? The socks. All these conditions that they mention, you have to walk with it that much distance. And if, it, if you penetrate, what you can't penetrate, these are shuruf ma'anzal Allahu biha. Sultan. You're allowed to wipe over your socks and you're allowed to wipe over your leather socks. You are allowed to. And it's been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ that he wiped over his shoes. And what he wiped over is the top part of his shoes. Uh, for his, uh, his, 
his hoof, his socks. Brothers, pay attention to this. It's not considered to be a socks if it's under the, under the heels. Not the heels, sorry, the elbows. Uh, the ankles. If it's below the ankles, you know those sports ones that people wear? You can't wipe over those, by the way. The socks have to be high socks. Tall, long socks, okay? And the same with the shoes. If you're wearing shoes that are below your uh, ankles, then they're not considered something you can wipe over. They have to be covering your ankles. Are we all together? That's a condition that the scholars mentioned. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, If the religion was based upon opinions, it would have been, if the religion was based on opinion, ara and opinions, we would have wiped over the, the bottom part of the leg of the socks than the top parts. Because the bottom part is what you walk on and it's dirty. And the bottom, top part is clean. If this religion was opinion. But he said, but I saw the Prophet sallallahu But what I saw was that he wiped over the top. And then this religion is not about opinions and my and I think and I assume it's Allah said and his messenger said. Then Ibn al-Qayyim said that knowledge is Allah said and his messenger said. And it's not the speech of Alan and Fulan, what they said. Okay? What is the condition for Al-Mas'ul Al-Khufayn? What is the condition for me to? You have to wear them upon a state of Tahara. So when you wore it, you were pure and in a state of Tahara. And the evidence for that is the Hadith Al-Mughira, where the Prophet said, Leave them, I wore them when, it, when I was in a state of Tahara. How long is it that the person can wipe over? If you're a resident and you're in your place of residency, yawmun wa layla, a day and a night, 24 hours. If you're a traveler, thalathata ayyamin wa layalihinna, three days and three nights. Three days and what? Three nights. Wa la yakoonu wudu'an shar'iyan illa biniyati lisibahati salah. The author then said, it will not be a wudu' in the sharia unless you come with an intention. So a person can't just do wudu without no intention because of the hadith in the al bin niyat. Naam. Faslun fi mustahabbati wa yustahabbu tathrithu fi ghayr al-ra'si wa yitalatu al-ghurrati wa al-tahdeel wa taqdeemu al-siwaak wa ghaslu al-yadayni illa al-rusghayni thalathan qabla al-shuru'i fi ghasli al-a'adha'i al-mutaqaddimah. The author now talks about what is recommended. He's spoken about what you have to do. Now he's going into what is recommended. The author, rahimahullah, he mentions that it's recommended tathrith. Three times. That the person does every part of the body three times. It's highly recommended. Three times, three times, three times, three times. It's recommended. Ah. And it's also been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ that he done it twice. And it's also transmitted from him that he done it once. And one is obligatory. One is obligatory. That which is most completest is three times. Other than what? The head. The head you don't do it three times. Nor do you do it two times. How many times do you do your head, head, head? Once. And the ear is with the head. You only do both of them once. Also, also what is recommended is It is highly recommended 
that the person slightly just goes a bit up from their elbows, just, just go up. And also, your legs, highly recommended, just to be on the safe side. Don't go too much to the armpits, okay? Just go a bit up. Because of the Prophet said, then Abu, Abu Huraira added on to That is Budraj. It's the call of Abu Huraira. That my Ummah will come the day of judgment. The places of your wudu will be eliminate, it will be illuminating the day of judgment. So what you need to do is try your best to do that. And it's also recommended just before you start your wudu that you proceed it with a wudu. Sorry, with a siwak. Because of the hadith, لَوْلَا أَنَّ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُمْ بِالسِّوَاكِ عِنْدَ كُلِّ وُضُوءِ And Imam Al-Bukhari narrated it مُعَلَّقًا بِالسِّيغَةِ الْجَزْمِ And also Malik and Ahmed and others have narrated in the hadith of Abi Hurairah. لَوْلَا أَنَّ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي If I was not fearful for my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the siwak at every time of wudu. وَغَسْلُ الْيَدَيْنِ the rusq is mafsal ma bayna al-kafi wa sa'id. It's here. I'm a, some scholars, they say it's here, which is the one I just mentioned, right here. Between here and here, straight in the middle. Anyways, is to just make the hands when you're washing it, you add this into it. Just go a bit up. Just, just do that much. Okay? Do that to be on the safe side. Naam. فصل في نواقض نواقضه وينتقض بما خرج من الفرجين من عين أو ريح وبما يوجب الغسل غسل ونوم المض ونوم المضجع وأكل لحم الإبل والقيء ومس ومس الذكر. The author رحمه الله now goes into what breaks your wudu. Brothers and sisters, what breaks your wudu? The author started with ما خرج من الفرجين من عين أو ريح. What breaks your wudu is whatever comes out from your two parts of your body, the front part and the back parts. The front passage and the back passage. Whatever comes out of it breaks your wudu. The things that come out of it, brothers and sisters, is two types. Ainin. Ain is something that can be seen. Like the front urine comes from it and the back passage, what comes from it? Huh? Um, feces those are ain, something which can be seen and there's also rih wind that comes out from the two passages from the men is just one passage but the women's two passages both of which break your wudu whether that wind came from outside and in or whether that wind came from inside only it breaks your wudu ma kharaja min sabilaini anything that comes out of it write this down this, this quote this point is very important okay what comes out of the person is two types. Okay, pay attention to this. The things that come out of the people are two types. Something that is normal for it to come out of a person. It's actually normal. Like feces, like urine, it's normal. Um, wind, that's fine. This is called It's something that the person is used to. And they expect it to come out. And also in there is the many and the wadi and the madi and all of that. Six things generally come out and they're called mu'tad. 
six things the many the the many and the madhi and the wadi and the ghail and the bowl and the reh those six are generally what comes out and sometimes there's things that come out that are not normal such as um, sometimes a, 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 a person could be suffering from kidney stones and so then it comes out which is very painful if a kidney stone uh, stones come out of the person the front pa- passage this is it's not normal you don't urinate pebbles I mean it's not a pebble anyways it's going to be smaller than that but any rocks coming out from you for example sometimes hair coming out from you a hair coming out for instance these things are it's not normal for this to come out does this even fall under what the author is referring to no the author is talking about that which is known and it's normal for it to come out as for these things which are not normal to come out they don't break your wudu they come out they don't break your wudu and the evidence for that is the hadith the quran and the sunnah mentioned the ones that are mu'tad like qawluhu ta'ala وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَاوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ أَوْ جَاءَ أَحَدٌ مِّنْكُمْ مِّنَ الْغَائِضِ أَوْ لَامَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءَ أَوْ لَامَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءَ فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا صَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا Also, what breaks your wudu is whatever necessitates ghusl. Anything that necessitates ghusl, which is to shower, breaks your wudu as well. Like al-jima' sexual intercourse, breaks your wudu. Okay? And the sexual intercourse, brothers, is not um, that something has to have penetration, doesn't have to happen. The uh, evidence is if the two um, parts of the genital meet, then there's a ghusl. Even if some, no penetration happens, ghusl is wajib. Whether there's many that came out or not, the Prophet said, And from this hadith, some of the scholars actually use this as evidence that the Prophet said, If the two circumcision, that the women have to be circumcised as well. Mas'ala that the scholars took from this. And they said, There's no evidence to say that the women are separate from the men. That's another discussion. And um, I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> The gnome and the sleeping of the one who is sitting. Uh, lying down, sorry, lying down. If someone is lying down, Shokan is try- saying their wudu breaks. Okay? Someone's lying down on the side, it breaks their wudu. But if he's sitting down in a position, uh, then he's saying, he's alluding to, it doesn't break your wudu. What we say is the issue of whether you're sitting or not. It's not a strong argument. What is strong though is, if a person is in any position that it's close to impossible or it's hard for them not to know that they passed wind. So they're in a position, they're sitting in whatever position it may be. And in that position, if they passed wind, they are going to know. Then it doesn't break their wall. Are we all together? Because... The things that the author mentioned that break your wudu, brothers, pay attention. Allahi the ulama are very sharp when they look at things. The things that break your wudu are divided into two. Okay? 
something which is in and within itself it breaks your wudu now we all together brothers it breaks your wudu lakin sleeping it's it's not something that breaks the wudu it's something that's scared that it might bring about the thing that's going to break the wudu which is what? the wind it's the wind that's breaking the wudu not the sleeping the sleeping is called wudu. are we all together? like in the wind in and within itself it breaks the wudu the urinating breaks the wudu like in the sleeping doesn't because the sleeping it's scared that you might sleep and pass wind are we all together? Since it's madhinna wudu, the sleeping, and it is not something itself that you breaks the wudu, you could get out of it if you are in a position or a situation where you're not going to uh, be ignorant about you passing wind. But in that, there was one of the ulama, it was mentioned, he used to believe the opinion of an Imam al-Shawkani. Uh, this was his opinion. That he would say to his students, if you're sitting down, sleep, and you sleep, you go to sleep, it won't break a wudu. Are we all together, brothers? It won't break a wudu. And you're sitting like this. You can't pass wind. He said, it won't break a wudu. Until one day he was sitting in the masjid and one of his students was sitting next to him and his student sat down whilst waiting for the prayer and he passed wind. And then the, the iqamah happened. The sheikh said to the student, go and do wudu. He said, no. Sheikh, I was sitting down. <laughs> sheikh said, what do you mean I was sitting down? Sheikh, I was sitting down. I didn't pass no wind. The Sheikh said, everybody listen, go do your wudu. Wallahi, I heard you. I heard you. I, I know, and I've taken back my opinion. <sighs> he said, I took, my, I took back my opinion. From this minute onwards. So the best way to say that is, after I've seen people who are strong in their sleeping. They are, wallahi, they can sleep in any, just about any position. They will pass with and they will never know. There's some people that do that. Ah. You can't, so to say that sitting doesn't break your wudu. Jumlatan wa tafsil and unrestricted like that. Well, I have, I've, even I've seen it. A person who sat there and it was so loud, it echoed. And he got up and he didn't know what happened and what took place and what exploded. He didn't know anything of it. And he wanted to just pray the salah with us. Are we all together? So to use that claim that sitting, it breaks the it doesn't break the wudu unlike it doesn't it's not it's not strong in a fatwa but what you say is whatever situation a person's in and they are not gonna know they're gonna know it goes back to the person as well and it also goes back to the position okay it goes back to the position then inshallah ta'ala it doesn't break their wudu because there's a hadith that an imam malik narrated in his muwatta he said the companions they used to sleep and their heads would go down like this. When they went to sleep, the Sahabas, in the masjid, and they would pray and they won't, go to, they won't do wudu. Are we all together, brothers? So what do we, how do you reconcile that with the issue of sleeping will break the wudu? It means that they knew, they were in positions that they knew if they went into, they, they wudu wouldn't break. Okay? And the eating of the meat of the what? The camel. Ya ikhwa, the camel meat breaks your wudu. Ha. The Prophet وسلم, said in the hadith, Naam, min lahmil ibili. Naam. Go and do wudu from the what? 
camel meat. In my country, um, it's, a, it's a weird thing, but um, my country, Somalia, they don't believe that we break so wudu. Shafi'iyah, they don't. And so if, they, if you do wudu from camel meat, you're a Wahhabi. They're very dangerous. It's a fiqh issue. They make it into an aqidah-related issue. It's gharib. And so one time I said to the brother, what about, you know, it was a group of them. And I said, what about this hadith? And they said, do you know, do you know the, this, the sawul wurud of the hadith? The reasoning of this hadith. I said, I don't know. In the crowd, there was a man who passed wind. And when he passed wind, the Prophet didn't want to say to him, get up and do wudu. He didn't want to embarrass him. So the Prophet said to everybody, we just ate camel milk, uh, meat. Let's go do wudu. So this is the re I said, Wallahi, this is not even in the fabricated books. <laughs> the fabricated books that mention the things that are fabricated. Hatta, the story is not even in there. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's a common. They, they pass this on to each other. Chinese whispers. It's got no basis. Hatta in the books of the Mawdu'at that the early liars made up. It's not even in there. You won't find it in there if you looked in it. It's ajeeb. In other words, that they, what they're saying is that the Prophet will make a ruling for the whole entire Ummah because he didn't want to tell a companion to go do wudu. Are we all together? It's ajeeb. It's ajeeb. <coughs> so anyways, it's min al-gharaibi bin makan. Also, wal-qay'u wa nahwihi. The author here is saying that vomiting breaks your wudu. And he's relying on a very weak hadith. Man asabahu qay'un. Anyone who vomiting comes from him. Ibn Majah narrated this and this is a very weak hadith it's not sahih so vomiting doesn't break your wudu and touching your private parts the author says it breaks your wudu brothers the issue of break in the private part there's two hadiths that seem to be contradicting one another seems to contradict one another seems the first one is the hadith of Busrat ibn Safwanin the hadith of Busrat ibn Safwanin the Prophet ﷺ said, Anyone who touches his private part, and there's the hadith of Talq ibn Ali, where the Messenger ﷺ, he said, Your private part is just a part of you, it's like your other part of the body. You don't have to do wudu from it. When the scholars they saw these two hadiths, they said, Oh, how do we work this out? What we say, brothers, is again, as an Imam Malik's Qawl was that if you touch your private part with desires, then it breaks the wudu. And if you don't, it doesn't break your wudu. Okay? It goes back to that. Naam. The author, Rahimahullah, he now goes into al-ghuslu, showering and cleaning yourself. By the way, we can say al-ghaslu, bifatih al-ghain. You can say ghasl. You can also say what? Al-ghuslu. What's the difference between al-ghaslu and al-ghuslu? Al-ghaslu bifatih al-ghain, it means jarayanul ma'i ala al-adda'a'da. Is the water just pouring over the body? Whereas al-ghuslu, it means ismu lil-ightisal. It's the action and the doing of the person when he's cleaning himself. What does ghusl mean? I mean? What do we do 
in ghusl. Okay? It is idafatul ma'i ala jami'il badani ma'aniyah. It is that you pour the entire water over your body with what? With an intention. Ah, intention. There's a brother who had intimacy last night with his wife. He woke up in the morning, okay, and he has to do ghusl before fajr. He has to do ghusl. The issue with him is that he always used to do ghusl before fajr, anyways. That was his norms. He liked that. He didn't like to go to fajr without showering. Because he loved to go salah, focus, wake up properly. Okay? How does he distinguish this one from this one? With the intention. That's the essence of what distinguishes this one from this one. Is that he comes with an intention for this being a ghusl and this other one being ada uh, and the norms that he used to come with. Okay. When is it obligatory to do ghusl? And again, ghusl brothers is the taharatul kubra, the supreme tahara. When is it obligatory? Yajibu If money comes from you, even if you're daydreaming, or even if it's a wet dream at night, if a many comes from you, again, we spoke about what many is. Many is, uh, it's semen, if it comes out of the man, then this is a ghusl is wajib. It can come from the man, the many, and it can also come from the woman. It can come from the person when you're awake, no, when they're sleeping, it can come from any one of them. Okay? The person has to do ghusl. Okay, the person has to do what? Has to do ghusl. Also, what you need to do ghusl from is if the two private parts of the male and the female meet one another. And this is based on the hadith of the Prophet where he said, If the man sits in between the four, and then the, this private part touches the other private part. The ghusl is wajib. Ah. So it doesn't even have to be any penetration, just the fact that they come into contact, it necessitates it. Ghusl also becomes obligatory when? When the menstruation of the woman comes to an end or her postnatal bleeding comes to an end. The evidence for that is This ayah says, don't come close to them. Don't sexually try to come close to them and have sexual intercourse with your spouse whilst they are in the state of state of hayd. Until what? Until they purify themselves. And if they purify themselves, come to them in hayd amarakumullah where Allah commanded you to. The Prophet said to the hadith of Fatima bint Abi Hubayshin. He said to her, Fatima bint Abi Hubayshin, she had continued bleeding. The Prophet said to her, Leave off the prayer. For how long? The days you are the days where you used to be on your menstruation. Ha. Leave off the prayer. And the rest is called istihada. He wanted to tell her how to distinguish one from the other. The days that you used to know. This woman is called al mutada There's a woman called Mu'tada. She knows how to distinguish her menstruation from her continued bleeding. She knows the difference. How did she know the difference? Before the continued bleeding started, before the continued bleeding started on her, 
she used to have a good routine. Her body had a good routine. So she used to know when the blood started for her on her menstruation and when it came to an end. So the Prophet said to Fatima bint Abi Hubayish, and he said, Leave off the prayer. The days you used to have your menstruation, leave the prayer. And then after that, do ghusl. And then what? Pray. And then no, hayd, ghusl. Okay? What about the nifas? The postnatal bleeding. The postnatal bleeding is ijma'ah. The scholars are unanimously in agreement The woman who's had her postnatal bleeding The scholars are unanimously in agreement That she has to do ghusl What about if a person has a wet dream? You had a wet dream and you thought about What you thought about in your dream You woke up and there was no fluid There's no ghusl upon you if there is fluid that's there, then ghusl is obligatory on you. Wabil mauti. Mot death. Yajibu tafsirul mayyitil muslim ijma'an. By consensus, if a Muslim person dies, it is obligatory to do ghusl for him, to wash him. Okay? We're going to come to that, inshallah ta'ala, later. Wabil islami. And when a person comes into Islam, he also has to do what? He has to do ghusl. And the hadith for that is the hadith of Qais ibn Asim. Qais ibn Asim, he said, Atayt al sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I came to the Prophet, Uridu al-Islam, I wanted Islam, fa'amarani bima'in wa sidrin. And he then said to me, go, water, and use sidr. You all know sidr, right? Right now, soap. It's soap. And this hadith is Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and Nasa'i narrated it, which is sahih. So it's obligatory for the one who takes his shahada to go and do usul. فصل في صفته والغسل الواجب هو أن يفيض الماء وماء على جميع بدنه أو ينغمس فيه مع المضمضة والاستنشاق والدلك لما يمكن دلكه ولا يكون شرعيا إلا بالنية لرفع موجبه وندب تقديم غسل أعضاء الوضوء إلا لإلا القدمين ثم التيامن Okay, I want to do ghusl. What is it that I have to wash? And it's obligatory for me to wash. He says, and You have to pour the water on your entire body. Or you can dip inside the water. With taking the water and putting it into your mouth and also your nose. This, that which seems apparent, is laysata. They are both not wajibataini. They're not both obligatory. La fil wudu'i wa la fil ghusli. Okay, even in wudu', the mother and the istinshaq are not obligatory. Okay, we'll mention that in another time in more details, inshaAllah ta'ala. Waddalku lima yumkinu dalku. Again, you can't just let the water roll off your body when you're doing ghusl. There has to be an, a wiping from the hands. So the person has to what? Try to wipe the water over his body. The scholars, they disputed on the concept of wiping the water over the body. Is it obligatory or is it enough that ah, you can see this is a running tap and it's definitely going to touch my body. Okay? If you go to the hadith of Musalama and Jabir, you sense from those two, that the, those two hadiths, what you sense from those two hadiths is 
Mujaradul Ifada, the mere fact that the water comes onto the body is enough. Okay? And that the delk is not wajib. And that seems to be strongest opinion, inshallah ta'ala. And it's the view of the overwhelming majority of the scholars. The narrations that have come regarding rubbing the water on your body, it's from the angle of Al-Kamil Al-Mustahab. That which is complete and highly recommended. Okay? وَلَا يَكُونُ شَرْعِيًا إِلَّا بِنِيَّةِ لَرَفْعِ مُجِبِهِ This is not going to be considered a ghusl which is shar'i unless there is an intention made for it. Based on the hadith, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى And a ghusl is a ibadah min al-ibadat, صح? It's a ibadah min al-ibadat. And what is needed for every ibadah? Aniyah. Okay? وَنُدِبَ تَقْدِيمُ غَسْلِ أَعْضَاءِ الْوُضُوءِ إِلَّا الْقَدَمَيْنِ And what is recommended, brothers, is that the person, he does the wudu first before he does the ghusl. But he holds on to his legs. He leaves the legs to the end. So before you even start to do the uh, ghusl, do wudu first. But don't wash your legs. Then do the ghusl. And then after you've done the ghusl, let the last thing that you wash be your legs. Okay? Let the last thing that you do be your legs. ثُمَّ and the author then said, all of this should be that you do it from the right side first. So even when you're washing your body, start with the right side first. Based on the hadith, أَنَّهُ كَانَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ يَبْدَأُ بِشِقِّ رَأْسِ الْأَيْمَنِ That the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, whenever he would wash his head, he would start with the right side. And the famous hadith of the Prophet صلى كَانَ يُعْجِبُهُ التَّيَمُّنُ فِي تَنَعُّلِهِ وَتَرَجُّلِهِ وَطَهُورِهِ وَفِي شَأْنِ كُلِّهِ that the messenger, he used to fascinate him and he really loved to use his, to start with his right side and to do everything with his right side first. He used to love it, salawatullahi wa sallamun Especially in issues of al-tahara. Naam. Faslun fil aghsal al-mashru'ah wa yushri'u li salatil wa yushra'u li salatil jumu'ati wa lil'aytayni wa liman ghasala mayyitan wa lil'ihram wa lidukhul makkah. The author, rahimahullah, mentions the places where it's recommended for the person to do ghusl. وَيُشْرَعُ لِصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ صَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ The author, rahimahullah, is of the opinion that it's recommended for you to do what? Ghusl. But where do we take the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, غُسْلُ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَاجِبٌ عَلَى كُلِّ مُحْتَلِمٍ That the showering of the day of Jum'ah is wajib upon everybody who's reached age of puberty. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدُكُمُ الْجُمْعَةِ If the Friday comes, فَلْيَغْتَسِلْ it's a command. So it shows obligation. It shows what? It shows obligation. And then what we say is, غُسْلُ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ is wajib. Okay, brothers? غُسْلُ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ is wajib. Because the Prophet said it, there's no way around it. The Prophet said, غُسْلُ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَاجِبٌ عَلَى كُلِّ مُحْتَلِمٍ And إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدُكُمْ If one of you comes to the Jum'ah, he should shower. Okay, he should shower. Are we all together, brothers? What about the women? Do they also have to do ghusl yom al-jum'ah? Jum'ah is not wajib on them. How is the ghusl going to be wajib on them? Are we all together? If the jum'ah is not wajib on them, then for sure the ghusl won't be wajib on them. The ghusl is only wajib on the man. Okay, it's only obligatory on the man. Well, eidaini, and on the two eids, 
عيدين هي من عيد الأضحى وعيد الفطر نووي سيد ومن الغسل المسنون غسل العيدين وسنة لكل أحد بالاتفاق سواء الرجال أو النساء والصبيان لأنه يراد للزينة وكلهم من أهلها النووي he says in his kitab al-majmu' he says the ghusl of the day of Eidain Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha he said it's a sunnah by consensus sunnah and it's sunnah for the men and it's a sunnah for the women and it's a sunnah for the children because this is a day where everybody wants to beautify themselves and all of those are and anyone who washes a dead body ghusl is also what? it's something recommended for them because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said مَنْ غَسَّلَ مَيِّتًا فَلْيَغْتَسِلْ وَمَنْ حَمَلَهُ فَلْيَتَوَضَّعْ Anyone who washes a dead body should do ghusl. And anyone who carries a dead body should do wudu. The scholars, they differed amongst themselves this hadith. Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah narrated in the hadith of Abu Hurairah. Is it a hadith which is sahih? Abu Hatim al-Raziyu, he said هَذَا خَطَأْ إِنَّمَا هُوَ مَوْقُوفٌ عَلَىٰ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةً لَا يَرْفَعُهُ Abu Hatim al-Razi said this hadith it's a mistake those who said that the Prophet said it it's actually a statement of Abu Hurairah and not the Prophet's statement okay and he said that the thiqat the scholars of hadith they don't push this hadith to be what? marfu' they push it to be what? mawquf Imam Ahmad and Ali ibn al-Madini uh, they said and they are the Imam of Ilal they said لا يسح في هذا الباب Bukhari said the same thing as well walin ihrami Ihram is what? When you're going to the state of Ihram. Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, مِنَ السُنَّةِ أَنْ يَغْتَسِرَ الرَّجُلِ إِذَا أَرَادِ الْإِحْرَامِ It is from the sunnah that if a man or a woman want to go into the state of Ihram, that they do what? That they do ghusl. Sahahul Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, fi al-Irwa'i al-Ghalil. And Shaykh Muqbil ibn Hadi al-Wadi'i authenticated it in his al-Jami' al-Sahih. And also Ibn Abi Shayba narrated it in his musannaf. وَلِدُخُولِ so you did your ihram, let's say from Miqat of the people of Medina, the Hulayfa. You drove for those four or five hours to Mecca. And then when you got to Mecca, you come to Tan'im, Masjid Aisha. It's highly recommended that you pull over. And then when you pull over, it's sunnah to go again and do another, another ghusl before you enter Mecca. Before you enter Mecca. But by the way, stay away from soaps because they have perfumes in it. And you're not allowed to use perfumes, okay? Don't use toothpaste because they've got smell to it. None of that. Just water. Or soaps that don't have smell. Okay? Now. Babu Tayamum Yustabah Yustabah Bihi Ma Yustabah Ma Yustabah Bil Wudu Iwal Ghusli Liman Laya Jidul Ma Aw Khashi Adarara Min Istiamali Wa Adao Al Wajhuwa Thumal Yadan يمسحها مرة بضربة واحدة ناويا مسميا نواقضه نواقض الوضوء The author now goes into tayammum You couldn't find water brothers What do you do here? The word tayammum in the Arabic language is القصد يقال تيممه بالرمح And that's why the ayah Allah says وَلَا تَيَمَّمُ الْخَبِيثَ مِنْهُ تُنْفِقُونَ وَلَا تَيَمَّمُ أي وَلَا تَقْصِدُوا Don't intend So the word tayammum means to intend something Shara'an, what does it mean? It means Al-Qasdu ila sa'id al-tayyib Limasih al-wajh wal yadayni Biniyat istibahat al-salati Walahuiha What it means is To intend the earth Okay To wash your face And your hands Okay To here And the evidence for the tayammum is Falam tajidu ma'an Fatayammamu sa'idan tayyiban That's the evidence for it in the Quran And in the sunnah Is 
أعطيت خمسا لم يعطهن أحد قبلي نصرت بالرعب مسيرة شهر وجعلت لي الأرض مسجدا وطهورا فأيما رجل من أمتي أدركت الصلاة فليصلي وأحلت لي الغنائم وأحلت لي المغانم ولم تحل لأحد قبلي وأعطيت الشفاعة وكان النبي يبعث إلى قوم خاصة وبعثت إلى الناس عامة In this hadith the Prophet said I was given five that was not given to the previous nations and from the things that he mentioned was وَجُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُرًا The earth was made pure for me that I can pray in there and I could uh, utilize وَأَجْمَعُ عُلَمَاءِ الْأُمَّةِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ التَّيَمُّمَ مَشْرُوعٌ Okay uh, Ibn al-Mundhir in his kitab al-Ijma' he said that and also Ibn Hazm that the tayammum is permissible Okay When is tayammum allowed? Okay, when is it permissible? It is permissible in five situations. Number one, إذا لم يجد المحدث الماء The person couldn't find water. And the evidence for that is وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَاءُ عَلَىٰ سَفَرٍ أَوْ جَاءَ أَحَدٌ مِّنْكُمْ مِنَ الْغَائِطِ أَوْ لَامَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءِ أَوْ لَامَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءَ فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا صَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا فَامْسَحُوا بِوُجُوهِكُمْ وَأَيْدِيكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَفُوًا غَفُورًا The second is إِذَا كَانَ بِهِ جَرَاحَةٌ أَوْ مَرَضٌ The person has a wound or an illness. Number three, إذا كان الماء شديد البرودة, the water is excessively cold. Four, إذا كان الماء قريبا منه إلا أنه يخاف على نفسه أو على عرضه أو ماله أو فوت الرفقة. The water is close to him, but he's scared to utilize it because of his, something's going to happen to him if he goes to the water or something's going to be harmful to his honor or his wealth or etc. Number five, إذا احتاج الماء الموجود عنده للشرب if the person needs the water for drinking. And it's only enough for him to drink from. What are the parts of the body that you are allowed to do tayammum uh, uh, for? The face and the kafan, the two hands. It's not wudu, brothers. You don't put it in your ears. It's the dust and the earth. And then your hair, okay? And your legs. And I've seen that. I've seen people do that. Especially those who believe you can do your neck as well. I've, not, that's not from the sunnah, by the way. The neck. The neck is not the parts of the body that you do wudu for. Okay? Stay away from that. So the Prophet ﷺ told his companions to wash their face, sorry, to wipe their face and their hands. Bess. Nothing else. فَضَرْبٌ بِكَفِّهِ ضَرْبَةً عَلَى الْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ نَفَضَهَا ثُمَّ مَسَحَ بِهِمَا ظَهْرَ كَفَّهِ أَوْ ظَهْرَ شِمَالِي بِكَفِّهِ ثُمَّ مَسَحَ بِهِمَا وَجْهَهِ You can blow into it. This has got dust in it. So you can go, as the Prophet did ﷺ, to get the dust off it. What is it that breaks your tayammum? What breaks the wudu? Breaks the tayammum? And one extra thing, which is wujudul ma, if the water is found. The minute you find water, your tayammum breaks. Or the reasoning that you were doing the tayammum is lifted now. It breaks your wudu straight away. Okay, it breaks it. Naam. We're now going to go into the last chapter of At-Tahara, inshaAllah ta'ala. باب الحيض لم يأتي في تقدير أقله وأكثره ما تقوم به الحجة وكذلك الطهر فذات العادة المتقررة تعمل عليها وغيرها ترجع إلى القراء إلى القراء فدم الحيض 
فدم الحيض يتميز, يتميز عن غيره فتكون حائضا إذا رأيت دم الحيض ومستحاضة إذا, رأيت غي إذا, رأيت إذا رأت غيره غيره وهي كالطهار وهي كالطهار وتغسل, وتغسل, وتغسل أثر الدم وتتوضا لكل صلاه والحائض لا تصلي ولا تصوم ولا ولا توطا حتى تغتسل حتى تغتسل بعض الطهر وتقضي الصيام الله هي ناقوز انت حيض what does حيض mean in the arabic language السيلان لغه means السيلان is something that flows شرعا means دم جبله it's natural blood okay it's natural يخرج من أقصى رحم المرأة. It comes out from the top of the woman's رحم, her womb, when she reaches age of puberty. It comes out على سبيل الصحة. She's not sick or ill. It's natural. If it doesn't come out, she'll go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with her for this to happen to her. And it comes out من غير سبب. There's no reason for it that is illness. No. And it comes out في أوقات معلومة, known times. Generally speaking, okay? The women, we're going to divide them into three. We're going to divide the women into three. Or two, 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 two. We're going to divide the women into two. A woman who's mu'tada. A mu'tada is a what? A woman who's organized. She's scheduled. And she, not her organized. I mean her body. Her body knows the timing when the menstruation is going to start and when it's going to finish. Her body, she's called mu'tada. This woman, the first of every month, she knows it. Rarely does her body miss this timing. Am I all together? This is called Mu'tada. The second woman is called Mutahayira. Mutahayira is called the confused one. The confused one is two types. It's a woman who's confused because the reason why she's confused is that her menses, it never ever had a schedule. It comes random. That's one. Or the time her menses started in her life was the time her continual bleeding also started with her. So she's confused. She doesn't know which one's which. Are we all together? Her hayb and her istihada started at the same time. She's confused. She doesn't know which one's which. The second woman is the hardest one to give her an answer. The first one is easy. We say to her, okay, when does your hayb come this time? When does it come this time? Okay. We say to her, the Prophet said to her, The days of your hayd, leave off the prayer. Are we all together? And then do ghusl, and then wudu, and then pray. She's easy. She's called the mu'tada, it's simple. The mutahayira is the issue now. The mutahayira is the confused one. She just said, I don't know anything. By the way, this is a side benefit, inshallah, for the women who are listening and are benefiting. Sisters have to really take it upon themselves to study and learn their times of their menstruation. To know it is very important because these are the times when, they, when things go out of control, it's always important to come back to something. So there are apps that are nowadays available that they can use and that, that app will tell them when their body is changing and what's happening. So if she happens to have a continual bleeding, she's got a record of what the days of her hayd was and then it will make it easier for the sheikh or the person who's giving the fatwa how to work with this person. The woman who's mutahayira, whichever situation she came, whatever situation she's confused for, the scholars, they mention 
her out of the situation. Because we remember, we want to take the hayd from separate from the istihada. We want to distinguish one from the other. Are we all together? She, but she's confused. She can't tell us the difference. The scholars, they take two approaches. Okay? The first approach is look, look at the hayd compared to the istihada. The hayd is more darker. Okay? Whereas the istihada is more of a normal blood, flowing blood. Two, uh, the density of the hayd is different to the density of the istihada. Istihada is more fluid. This one's more heavier. The smell of the hayd is worse than the smell of a badder than the smell of the istihada. Istihada is a flowing blood. These are the things that the scholars say to identify it. Look at it. She comes back and she says, I don't even know. They look the same to me. What do I do, Sheikh? I don't know the difference. Then they take the second step. Are we all together? And that is, they say your hayyub is the same as the person you're with. Her family member. And that's another thing that's common amongst women, is that their menses happen at the same time. They share, it happens to them. Their hormones and their hayyub becomes one. They become unified. If they hang around a lot, what they happen to have is the same hayyub. Are we all together? Does that make sense? So they say your hayd is your hayd of your older sister or your younger sister. Count her hayd as your hayd. And other than that, you can do pray, you have to pray your salah and whatnot. Okay? And there's more details to this, this is a general principle that's followed. Um, now the author rahimahullah wants to mention what's the duration of the hayd? How long is it? There's no evidence for the bare minimum and the length. There's nothing. Some scholars, they said three. And some said the most it can be is half of the month, which is 15 days. Half of the month, that's not hayl. That's istihawa. So the three is the minimum. And how much is the most? 15 is the maximum. It's maximum, sorry. Some of them, they said 10 days. There's no evidence. There's no delay. It's aqwal, it's views, okay? فَذَاتُ الْعَادَةِ الْمُتَقَرَّةِ I mentioned this point. وَتَغْتَسِلُ أَثَرَ الدَّمِ The woman has to wash what? The woman has to wash the blood on her. On her. So, because the, the hayd we just said is najasa. She has to clean herself from it. And the way she does that is that she follows where all of the... So once she showers herself, the athar, she has to get rid of it. It can't be there. The woman who's istihada, she also has to do that as well. The woman who's upon istihada, she has to wash the blood. And she also has to do what? She has to do wudu for every prayer. For every prayer. Okay, she can't do wudu for two prayers. Get it? She washes her private part again. She stands up. She does wudu, and she doesn't do wudu until the salah enters. And then whatever comes out from her while she's praying, no problem. The same is for the the person who has bolus salis urine just comes keeps coming from them. Are we all together? Anyone who just has. Urine coming from them is the same ruling. What do they do? They wash their private part 
and then they do wudu when the salah comes in. And as soon as it comes in, they go and they pray. Whatever comes out after that, don't worry. Leave it. The woman who's on her menstruation, she doesn't fast nor does she pray. Uh, now pay attention, the sharia is like this. The woman who's on her menses, she doesn't fast nor does she pray. Allah gave her that. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only people who opposed Ahlul Sunnah in this issue of bringing back the fasting and not the prayer is the khawarij. Khawarij said, no, 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 this doesn't make sense. Which one's more important, the salah or the fasting? The salah. How can it be possible that she's told to bring back the fasting which is less and the salah which is higher? Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, a woman came to her. Her name was Mu'adha. She said, مَا بَالُ الْحَائِضِ تَقْضِ الصَّوْمَ وَلَا تَقْضِ الصَّلَاةِ Mu'adha, she came to Aisha and she said, Ya Aisha, I have a question. Hey, what's, my, what's your question? She said, my question is, why is it that the woman who's on her menses she has to bring back the fasting and she doesn't have to bring back the prayer. Aisha straight away said to her, Aharuriyatun anti, are you a khariji? Are you a khariji? Are you from the khawarij? And this is some of the scholars they took from this, that if a person says a statement that is in line with the deviated groups, you have the rights to say to them, are you from that group? And it's not like, subhanAllah, you're disrespectful. Aisha asked straight away, Aharuriyatun anti, she said, no, Allah, I'm not. I'm not. Then she said to her, okay. If that's not the case, then we used to, Aisha said. At the time of the Prophet, if a woman was on her menstruation, at the time of the Prophet, she would not pray and she would not fast. And she would be told to bring back the fasting and not the prayer. Hakada, Rasulullah said it. Listen and obey. Are we all together? Yeah? Why is that? But the scholars, they mentioned the wisdom. The wisdom is because the fasting is. How many days can she really miss? Majority of the women, seven days. Let's even say ten days she's in her menstruation. Ten days of fasting. But what about ten days of prayer? Because each day is five prayer. Five times ten. Fifty prayers. Fifty prayers she has to bring back. It's a mashaqqa. Are we all together? It's a what? Like we love what our mother Aisha did. When the woman asked Aisha, why does she have to bring back this one and not this one? Aisha didn't say, think, use your brain. Which one is more? She didn't say that. She taught her a fundamental lesson, which is the Prophet did this. Are we all together? The Sunnah is this. Then after that, tell the person the wisdom if you want. But you need to nurture the people upon what? Now that was Sunnah. This is what the Prophet came with. Naam. فصل في النفاس والنفاس أكثره أربعون يوما ولا حد ليقله وهو الكالحيض. The author rahimahullah goes into the nifas and the nufasa. The nufasa are the women who are on their postnatal bleeding. The maximum the postnatal bleeding is 40 days. 40 days she doesn't pray, she doesn't fast, she doesn't do anything. After 40 days it's not considered postnatal bleeding. She's going to pray and she's going to fast. It's called istihada now. Are we all together? But what is the bare minimum of istihada? There's no bare minimum. It can be one day. It can be two days. It can be three days. No problem. The istihada doesn't have a bare minimum. But what does it have? 40. So we will take that opinion, inshallah ta'ala, um, 40 because of the hadith of Umm Salama. The women who were on their postnatal bleeding at the time of the Prophet, they would stay away from fasting and praying for 40 days. 
أو أربعين ليلة أو forty nights. That's what the narration mentioned. Any other view that says sixty, because there's another view that says sixty, it's أوها من بيت العنكبوت. أوها من بيت العنكبوت. We won't take it. We'll say فضربوه عرض الحائط. Dismiss it, inshallah ta'ala. Bidinillahi, tomorrow we finish Kitab al Tahara, alhamdulillah, today. We did all of it. Tomorrow, what are we going to do? Kitab al Salah, inshallah ta'ala. All of it we're going to finish like that. Kitab al Salah. Bidinillahi al Kareem. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaytan, and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallah, wa bihamdik, ashadu la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka tubulik.